1: Time machine? Out of a DeLorean?
0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host Matt Bledsoe uh, and this week we are talking about Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Uh, Tell me talk about it. I am joined by someone I'm sure you all are very familiar with by now. Uh, she is the host of the Schlock and Awe podcast. It's Lindsay Wilkins. Lindsay, how are you doing?
2: Hey Matt, how's it going? Thanks for having me back on. (laughs) I'm nervous and excited to talk about this movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't be nervous. I'm very excited. (laughs) Uh, I'm excited that you're here and back again. Um, And I always—I don't know why—it feels like with us, I feel like I always feel like I haven't talked to you in so long. Although I don't think it's been as long this time. I feel like no. it was a
2: couple. It was about two months ago, so it wasn't like or even less than that. So it wasn't like you know we haven't talked. like like (laughs) a long time but yet we have to catch up
0: (laughs) exactly every time we have to catch up so uh well i love talking to you. so i'm glad you came back on to talk about glorious bastards with me so this is fun um so the time this comes out i know we're we are recording this right before new year's uh it'll be out like a couple weeks after new year's uh but i mean how how was your uh christmas holiday how was that
2: it was it was lovely in fact I'm still off work which has really happened between a new year's, uh, Christmas and New year's break so I'm just kind of hanging out reading watching movies drinking wine at night it's been it's, <laughs> it's been rather pleasant I have to say so this is um it's it's yeah I'm loving it
0: <laughs> I, yeah I, I i in the same way because I got to take this week off between Christmas and New year's which is every year even if working or not working feels like a weird, kind of black hole of a week. Like it's a weird, it does. like dead it week. It really does. Nobody nothing's wants to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> no,
2: and everything. Well, no, nothing's not, we don't completely shut down and over right. here, but it's kind of like all of my favorite cafes just aren't open for like until after, for after new year. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to hang
1: out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's yeah I mean it's been like a very lazy week like I never I don't know what day it is most of the days I have to ask someone I'm like is it Tuesday is it Wednesday I don't know uh but trying to catch up on movies and relaxing and uh you reminded me I've not been drinking nearly enough I don't know what I've been doing <laughs> I should have been, I should have been drinking this whole week what have I been doing
2: <laughs> it took me a couple of days and then I'm like wait I can have some wine or I can have a a whiskey before I go to bed I don't have to yeah okay well there there goes that open that thing although well, I haven't been getting drunk every night it's only been when I say drinking one or two glasses so nothing excessive
1: <laughs> um good,
2: yeah. no I've been getting blind drunk every night it's been amazing <laughs> um <but laughs> that bowl of whiskey um no but it's just been kind of that kind of pleasant just calm down kind of thing which I, every time I take a thing of leave I usually go somewhere and because we live in a pandemic I can't so I'm still in Melbourne so I'm just like I'm gonna have a staycation this is weird but I kind of like it (laughs)
0: listen I'm all about a staycation I I'm a big (laughs) a big fan of these uh so yeah no it's been it's been fine right now um so since you've had time off and everything I wanted to know have you watched anything good lately what kind of stuff have you seen I know we probably both have a lot of like 2021 stuff we've been catching up on and stuff like that but just random stuff you may have seen that you want to talk about
2: Um, I saw sneakers for the first time. Um, Oh my God.
0: Yes. yes, (laughs) Yes. I love sneakers. Yes.
2: (laughs) That is such a well put together movie. I mean, it does everything right. Um, everyone knows if they need to be movie star or weirdo character actor. Um, the plot moves really well. It's actually surprisingly, um, prescient. Um, Ben Kingsley yelling, it's all about the information. Um, (laughs) which it is. I mean, he could, um, it's yeah it's just i don't know i just sat there with a big grin on my face going how have i have not seen sneakers before this is amazing um sydney portier is incredible in, in this movie um he just owns every single moment because he's freaking sydney portier um I, I believe dan Aykroyd is playing himself in this <laughs> um and river phoenix is adorable i mean just he's ah oh, it's just it works so well
0: <laughs> it's yeah, yeah i think I saw that for the first time in 2021. I want to say, um, okay. I watched yeah. it twice this year. So, um, <laughs> that's how much I enjoyed it. Um, it's a movie that I remember like the cover, the poster specifically, uh, seeing a lot as a kid, like at the video store. Cause it's kind of this, uh, a, a list of all the names in star-studded cast, and the star study cast, like their faces kind of peeking up from like the, this kind of corner of a paper, almost like a rolled up piece of paper. I didn't know what the movie was. I never knew what the movie was. It's like very, it's just like a white thing with names and their faces. You're like, what is this movie? I don't think I even knew it was this, this kind of heist movie. Um, I can't remember why I watched it this year. I feel like it was very random, but I was kind of like blown away by it because I was like, this is just a delightful fun, like kind of like this light, romp of a heist movie and like the cast is having so much fun it seems like and just enjoying making a movie you know it's um it is it it was like one of the most pleasant things I watched all year for sure
2: it really is I think pleasant is as a really good word for it it is um yeah because I think when I was probably younger I looked at it and goes, why would I want to watch a movie surprisingly River Phoenix probably should have got me in but I was like why do I want to watch a movie with an old Sydney Poitier and Robert Redford and now I'm watching it going oh my god old Robert older Robert Redford and Sydney Poitier are amazing um <laughs> so I think yeah and the cover wasn't that exciting and I didn't quite know what it was about and then you just hear oh no sneakers is really good sneakers is amazing and then you watch it and you're like Oh yeah, Sneakers is, is amazing. I mean, it's funny, it's sweet, it's poignant. Um, Robert Redford's one of those guys who just knows exactly what to say in the moment, but at the same time, he's allowing it to show his age even back in 92, um, which is kind of nice. There's a moment at the beginning when he's trying to leap over a counter and he trips and falls. Well, he's done double trips and falls. Um, but it's kind of this cute moment of, oh, he's he's a little bit fallible and it kind of shows throughout the movie. So it's quite nice.
0: Yeah, it's not a uh, – there's elements of it that remind me of, like, a Mission Impossible movie where, like, things go wrong, you know? It's not as serious or action-packed as Mission Impossible, but it's, like, they're trying to plan a heist and little things go wrong. There's, like, little, like, Ocean's Eleven type stuff in there, you Yes.
1: Know? Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: It's just all these things that I really enjoy. And I'm like, I really enjoy a heist movie. I really do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's great. I'm glad you finally watched it, too, because it's – It's very fun, Uh, feels like right up your alley too. I feel like you would just like something like that. Like this is a fun time, you know?
2: (laughs) It's just a fun time. And then I ended up watching us right afterward, um, The Hot Rock, which if you think like watching sneakers is like this very controlled, very mannered, very well put together movie. And then you watch The Hot Rock when you're just like, wait, are they hypnotizing that guy? What is happening? Why is zero? Are they gonna kill? Yeah, it is kind of absolute insanity, and with just Robert Redford in the corner going, "I've just lost all control. I I don't know what to do anymore."
0: <laughs> it's me running most podcasts. I'm in the corner like <laughs> I've lost all control of this, and I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, funny enough, I watched the Hot asking Rock.
2: Mark and Hayden on. You, <laughs> you keep asking Mark and Hayden on at the same time.
0: <laughs> just asking for trouble with those guys. Uh, no, they're they're very fun. But I I have yeah, no fun. I love
2: you about. boys, and yes, I know we there is a double you both i think hayden suggested for all three of us and it will end in disaster i know and it will be oh amazing
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'm looking forward to that uh <laughs> yeah. funny enough i watched the hot rock also for the first time this year i think kind of close to sneakers because i feel like it came up as another robert redford heist movie you know, like a fun yes. heist uh and i think i mentioned to you like through twitter or something where i said and you might, I think you put it together. I was like, Sneakers and Hot Rock would make a great double. Like, I feel like that'd make a yes. great, shocking offset. Yeah. Two fun Robert Redford heist movies. It's like, it's a perfect pairing.
2: <laughs> it really is because you kind of get that very still charming Redford. I mean, he's, because he's Robert Redford, but he's got this kind of anger about him in the first one. Because it's like 1972. And then you have like George Segal and the, the other, uh, George Sand, I think, and then I can't remember the other actor's names and Zero Morrell, um, causing absolute havoc. Um, cause the whole thing is it's, um, you've got the sort of everything goes wrong in that movie. Cause once they get to the heist, I'm like, oh, this is quick. And then you're like, oh no, because they have to keep doing the same heist again and again and again, cause they keep screwing it up. It's um, quite a really interesting way of doing a heist movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, again, we're so many things going wrong and they kind of have to keep doing, like stealing the thing over and over. <laughs> it's it's very entertaining. It was another great, like, first time watch for me this year with the Hot Rock. It was so much fun. Um, Yeah. Wow. So uh, what, what else have you seen?
2: Uh, what else have I seen? I, uh, well, mostly it's been newer movies just because I always have this fear that I'm going to miss out on a 20 of a new release movie. Um, so I did, um, catch up with antlers. Oh. Um, I think it was Scott Cooper with Kerry Russell and Jesse Clemens, who I friggin adore in, I just, I, I think he's an amazing actor and it's an average movie, but with two amazing performances by Russell and Clemens. Um, it's a really cool creature feature set up in Oregon something's hidden under the ground and it's coming out to cause havoc, which I'm a complete sucker for, but it's very dark. It's very moody. And then, but you're just watching two great actors just kind of take control of a movie and making it their own. It's yeah, I'd say it's worth a watch, especially for the two leads.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, now this is a weird thing. Cause like you have not heard the top 10 episode, but everyone listening to this now will, Oh, if they've listened, they've caught up. It's on the top <laughs> ten episode in some way. I won't say how it. It, it is oh, talked about. Okay, Mark
2: likes this movie, doesn't he? Or uh,
0: yes, he does. He does. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we did talk about it a little bit there. Um, I will say, yeah, I, I won't say too much, but um, I saw Antlers earlier. I I really liked it. Uh, I feel like I waited for everything to come out because it got. It was very close to being released in the United States right before COVID started in twenty twenty. Uh, oh, I think it was like it was... a month away or something. Um, okay.
2: So it was one of those ones that got pushed back pushed yeah.
0: way back. Like yeah, from like April, back, yeah. I want to say April or March, 2020 until like October, or I think it was October, 20, 2021. So it was like, yeah. a vi- I was worried it wasn't gonna come out at all. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I was just glad it got released. Um, but it was really good. It is like genuinely, genuinely scary. It's uh, like most horror movies don't mess with me too much, but it's so intense and the atmosphere is so oppressive in that movie <laughs> like um it's kind of it's depressing it's a depressing movie but it's so well done it really is. yeah yeah it's it's the opposite of sneakers in the hot
2: <laughs> no like... it is it is absolutely <laughs> the opposite of the sneakers um which is pure joy and then you're watching this going oh especially what i think the third act like a lot of third sort of acts it kind of runs away a little bit and you're just kind of going oh the, uh, which i think atlas does but uh, atlas does but i think there's a decision that a character has to make and she makes it fairly easily once she realizes oh i have to do this and you're like oh god um <laughs> but yeah because it's all about the cycle of abuse um and that kind of metaphor because a lot of the, all the horror movies i've kind of watched in the last few days have all been very dark very spooky some kind of good jump scares and they're all about trauma <laughs>
1: Mm, yeah so um
2: yeah so i needed. to so you, sometimes you need a sneakers to lighten up everything but yeah carrie russell's amazing in this movie and there's a line from jesse flemmons where i just went holy crap
0: <laughs> he yeah they're both really good carrie russell and jesse flemmons yeah. and i can't remember um the little boy's name the main kind of boy in the movie i don't know how much he's done as an actor Mm. um he's asked to do a lot of stuff in antlers and it's a tough mm-hmm. part for a kid to play but he's really good um jesse Clemens is like i feel like one of my favorite actors working now and that'd be just for game night alone i mean he's yeah, so, yeah. god he's so good in game night uh he's but he's good in like everything every time he pops up i'm like oh but jesse Clemens and he's uh yeah he's usually very good in almost everything and kerry russell i feel like is just someone that I don't see pop up in enough stuff, you know, but when I do, she's really good. And I'm like, why don't you work more?
2: <laughs> yeah. And then you remember she did like seven seasons of the Americans. I'm like, I should watch that. Cause I really like Carrie Russell. Um, yeah, but she should. Yeah. I, cause I go back to frigging Felicity. So, um, yeah, she, I think she's really good. I think a little bit underrated because when you watch the stuff she can do, you're like, oh yeah, you're really good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, antler antlers is good. It's just not, uh, you know, maybe have like something light to follow it up with, <laughs> you know. Yes. Yeah. And not
2: me who watched when I'm going to watch Sensor afterward, which do not do that because you're just getting even more... Um pain and, and trauma.
0: Especially <laughs> with Censor. Yeah. I did really love uh Center, though. I thought it was it was very yeah. good. I think I like it more than most people, but um like I've seen I, I like, like it.
2: antlers more than I think I like Antlers more than most people. Um <laughs> but no sense is really interesting because it's got it's very uh sound the Sound Studio kind of vibes, but it's very um yeah I like how it's made and I really love that central performance. I can't remember her name, but it's yeah, when you realize it sort of starts fractured and then kind of goes from there. So you're not in a place of steadiness and then you realize what it'd be like to actually be like, I bitch about sensors all the time and how they shouldn't sense it. But if you're not into horror and you're having to watch this stuff on a daily basis, I can kind of see how it would break you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. And it, uh, it does some very, I thought it looked really good. It does some really interesting stuff especially in the very end of the movie, almost like the last 20-ish minutes, maybe yeah. uh, some very cool uh, stylish techniques. Uh, I don't want yes. to give anything away that I mm. found very interesting. I was like, oh, it was one of the things you kind of start noticing. You're like, is this happening right now? And you're like, oh, yeah, they are- I did that. I was like,
2: hang on a minute. Oh, wait, they are doing that. Okay, <laughs> they are cool. doing what
0: I think they're doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really love Sensor. I just got that um, Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome oh. um, that I'm really excited to check out. I think there's even a documentary on there about like the video nasties that I'm really excited about oh um, that'd be
2: so fascinating yeah yeah i'm thinking I'm of always... getting the sick yeah second sick sight of putting out a really gorgeous disc of it and i'm kind of eyeing it off going i have spent so much money on box sensors yes so i need <laughs> to calm down um like i haven't even received them yet it's like going is my all the horns and your brothers here yet no oh sad um sad face um but yeah <laughs> so but i'm eyeing it off going oh you could be interesting especially if i they also did stuff about video nasties because it's such an interesting period in in british history
0: yeah yeah i've always been interested in that whole video nasties kind of um mania craze i don't know what to call it, when things were going a little crazy and and they were censoring all this stuff and uh so yeah i'm interested to dive into that i, ju- I just got it fairly recently but uh um, I'm glad you liked Sensor and Antlers. I'm glad you enjoyed both yes. of them. So, um, uh, anything else or.
2: Um, yeah, I'll just mention one thing. Um, just cause I don't think it's gonna, I would have, I'd be very surprised if. well, just cause I don't know if Mark <laughs> and Hayden are musical guys, but I did go see Spielberg's West Side Story.
0: Okay. Um, I can safely say that it's not on any, it did not appear on any of our lists. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, it's really good. I think. Patrick Bromley sort of said when I was listening to him on something um, that it's kind of go, it's similar to Jackson's King Kong where it's more about his relationship with the original and I think this is very much true of West Side Story because the music hasn't changed the songs haven't changed yeah the, the dialogue's different and the order is a little thing if you know the original 1960 can't remember when the original came out the Robert Wise um, version um, but yeah it's, it's really I mean I haven't seen this uh, Spielberg this energized in a long time. I mean, he is directing the hell out of it. Some of those dance sequences and the way um he's moving the camera is just like, okay, now you're just showing off. Um, but there's a moment in every Spielberg movie where I get excited, especially if it's I'm really enjoying it where I'm like, oh, my God, you just did it. Like, um, say, the T-Rex scene in Jurassic Park or even in a movie that's not that great called The BFG, when you see BFG running through London for the first time, I kind of almost wept because I'm like, oh, my God, you did it. You brought BFG to life. This is this is it. This is what I had in my head. And there's this moment in um, with said Story when, they're just about to start singing a very famous song tonight. And um, if you know this, you, you know what song I'm talking about. And then he just, there's a moment where he just kicks in. I'm like, fuck, you did it, Spielberg. <laughs> and I everyone's weeping at the end of it. I'm just almost weeping at this one stupid moment that has nothing to do. Well, yeah, it's just kind of the filmmaking of it. I'm like, oh my God, you did it. You brought this thing to life. Um, and I've been watching it, enjoying it. So yeah, it's 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 a good movie and you can tell he loves this movie with a thing and he's kind of going for it. So um, yeah, no, I, I very much enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. I, it, I think I've made it very clear on this podcast. Yes. that I'm not a musical guy. No, uh, this is a
2: musical with a capital M. So you are going to kind of.
0: <laughs> what I thought, uh, I mean, but it is Spielberg. And yes. uh, it just, what I saw in like trailers and things, it looked like, very well directed very well shot like yes yeah I mean I mean it's Spielberg you know so I was realizing though the other day I was kind of looking I was like I have barely seen any uh later period Spielberg like from I'm very I'm very lacking in like Spielberg stuff past like uh mid-2000s really so BFG, Warhorse, Lincoln, uh, I saw Ready Player One. I didn't really like that very much. No, <laughs> um,
2: that's that's not one I'd recommend. Like the one, <laughs> that's like the one
0: I've seen, and that's like probably yeah. his, one of his worst things. That he's he, I think he's just the wrong guy for Ready, Ready Player One. But he um, really
2: was. Yeah.
0: yeah, I heard a lot of people say this. They, they think is like the best thing he's done in a long time, and yeah, you know, like he's energized. I heard that too. Um, so him directing it would make me kind of go to see it, and that musical so famous. I'm kind of familiar with some of the music like that helps me too. And I'm kind of familiar with some of the songs in a musical. Um, but I mean, I've heard nothing but really good things. I just feel bad that again, it didn't do very well. Like nothing in December here in the United States did well, except for Spider-Man. I'm sp- pretty Spider-Man.
2: Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's like, that's, it, yeah, that's like it. hit. <laughs> it
0: just killed everything. And uh, you know, I love Spider-Man, but I kind of wish that there'd been more room for other movies or people had seen other <laughs> movies because, um, I think Sing 2 did okay because it's like, you know, all the little kids went to go see Sing 2 with their parents, but yes. uh, Matrix did bad, uh, Nightmare Alley, um, uh, West Side Story. There were so yes. many movies that just kind of, if all they got swallowed up by the wake of Spider-Man and they had no chance, <laughs> so um, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm not
2: going to lie. That made me resent the movie a little bit. Like, I really <laughs> like it. Like, I don't think I like it as much as a lot of other people, but I was kind of like sitting there going, There are other movies, guys. Come on. I mean, yes, there are certain (laughs) characters who gave my favourite performances of the year in that movie, but I'm sitting there going, it's not that good. Though I realise it's a great movie, so please don't. Yeah, Um, I I think I was a little bit resentful toward it going, really, this is the thing that's taking up all the the movies? But um, no, I think it's worth it because they kind of really hammer home what West Side Story is about and it's kind of all in the rubble of... um, I don't know, New York geography, where the Lincoln Center will would eventually take its place. And you've got all these this um, people of um, getting kicked out of their neighborhood. So that really kind of heightens what's kind of behind the jets and why they're so scary. Like they really get into that white guy rage. But then you've got the Puerto Ricans who are like trying to build a new home in a place where they're going about to be kicked out of as well. So it's... Um, it's really interesting and it kind of means more. And then when certain characters do certain things, I'm like, oh, that's a big ask. I really <laughs> sure you want to be doing that at this particular moment. I realize things have happened, but this is not the person who's emotionally ready to deal with your, your nonsense right at this particular moment. And it kind of hammers home a lot of that, that sense of what home is and what it means when it's kind of been taken away from you. Um, and yeah, so I think they really hammer those. I mean, it's really blatant. It's not like, oh, it's in the background. Oh, no, they, they say it in text, but um, <laughs> it's, it's a really good adaption. And Ariana DeBose as Anita is actually pretty freaking good. So, which she should be because it's the Anita character. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, eventually I, uh, I, I think I'll try to catch up with it. Cause I, I just want to catch up on like, Basically, all of Spielberg's stuff because, you know, it's Spielberg. So it's
2: like, actually, yeah, watch watch for Despise. Like,
0: oh, um, yeah, that's the other one I forgot that I hadn't seen. I think I've, is that how I only see Ready Player One out of his stuff? Because that would be so sad. Like,
2: that would be. I, well, no, uh, it is. And, I mean, watching it in the theater and watching the kids go nuts over the um the shining sequence was actually quite amazing because I'm like going, oh, they don't know what the shine. Oh shit, they're okay. They're, they're freaking <laughs> out. This is amazing, and that, they don't that even. That sequence
0: do- is fun. That shining sequence yeah. is fun, but that, the, most of it, James yeah.
2: <laughs> Kubrick likes the shining. He likes Kubrick. Um, but he doesn't like anything else he's doing. Um but it's yeah the bridge's of spies is quietly energetic like you can tell i don't know it's some i love that movie a lot um i like the post even though a lot of people have issues with it i kind of am on the post side i think it's just a fun procedural um about trying to get something on the front page um and yeah there's a, there's a few little hidden gems i maybe wouldn't watch the bfg cuz that movie falls apart after the first act
1: oh. um
2: it's not one of his best but um yeah just as quiet kind of more drama kind of ones like lincoln oh lincoln's fun there are some really amazing moments in lincoln
0: (laughs) I yeah i'm looking at this list now and like literally since like indiana jones and king of crystal Mm -hmm. skull i have i've only seen ready player one wow that that, wow so you've
2: been watching his uh his his best work
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah i don't know just none of these products really interested me i was like war Horse. Well, they're, they're like, all
2: dad movies <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> i'm i'm starting to like dad movies a lot more so maybe i mm-hmm. uh maybe i uh should start watching these bridge of spies did seem really good um although i was still a little mad at that movie because uh it's such a stupid thing to hold against the movie but when mark rylance won i think best supporting oh, actor over especially yes. i really took that uh I don't know personally for some reason.
2: I can I can see that because he did as uh so uh Stallone made it gave an amazing performance in Creed and then you watch Mark Rylance and Bridget Spies you're like okay fine I'll give it to you this one because he is amazing he's just very understanding very quiet and then now he doesn't do quiet but um at <laughs> all um I'm sorry I just watched friggin um don't, don't look, look up. up and I'm just.
0: Another movie I don't care to see at this point. (laughs) I
2: well, I didn't. I haven't finished it yet because it's very long, and it's just people telling me I'm an idiot, (laughs) and I'm just like going, I'm mad at this movie. I stop telling me I'm an idiot. I
0: I get it. Yeah, I I I have no desire to see that movie for many reasons. I was telling Hayden and Mark about this, and uh, I won't get into it again. But I I just have things where I'm. This is not this. It's not for me. I can just tell. You know what I mean? Like right away, I'm like. I'm not going to enjoy this.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, I
2: mean, I even felt that way about the Big Short. Like, I'm like, you're treating me like an idiot. This is like thing, and then I'm like watching Vice going, "Oh, you really think I'm an idiot?" And then for some reason, me and Dan were watching. I'm like, "Oh, I, I, I'm over it. I'm done. I can't do, I can't do you anymore." This is, yeah.
0: <laughs> Doesn't even have a, port, a part in the Big Short, where adam McKay basically says you're so stupid you want to understand this here's margot robbie yes. in a bathtub to explain it yes. To you. <laughs> yes uh yeah yeah i just i don't know i I'll, i won't even i won't <laughs> i won't say anything else but um all i know is i need to catch up on later spielberg stuff because I, I think
2: yes that is much better catch up on later <laughs> spielberg and all his dad i would say go for his da- i haven't seen warhorse just because the trailer made me cry and i was like no um but <laughs> the um but all his dad movies um i would totally give a watch because they're they're just delightful that like you're just watching actors act and him just doing these quiet little blocking things with the camera and you're like yes yes you are still the master I I I, I see that
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah he's been so good for so long I think people are just um I say this i have like kind of taking him for granted now it's they like do you know, yeah. oh, we made another great movie. whoop de do Stephen! Like, what do you want to award? Like?
2: <laughs> that was pretty much Bridge of Spies. Everyone, yeah, it's good, Stephen. What do you want me to say? And I think that was kind <laughs> of the vibe around that. And Lincoln had the Daniel Day-Lewis performance. Everyone was like going, hey, check that out. But I think... <laughs> Yeah. So when I think people were watching West Side Story and they saw the energy back, they went, Oh yeah, Stephen, that's a really, really good movie. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I see you I see I see <laughs> you trying in this, even though he's always trying, he's always a master, but you can kind of feel him amping up an a different energy level.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, he's he's great. I don't there's like I can't say anything. It's kind of an obvious fact at this point, but yeah. Um so I'll Steven catch Spielberg,
2: up. good director
0: yeah <laughs> real hot take um it's like when we did the et mac and me episode on your show and i was like what do <laughs> yeah, i say about e. Steven Spielberg guys it's like it's it's Spielberg it's like you know he's you know one of the best of all time
2: so et yeah. e. good movie <laughs> And me not sure what that is but not we're gonna sure. get into it
0: <laughs> barely a movie i think barely <laughs> uh but a fun it movie It is
2: a three egg structure kind of it
0: does i mean it's fun it's very entertaining i'm telling Oh, I so
2: entertaining flies yeah flies
0: by because it's just non-stop like it's non-stop like wait what just happened what what's that what's going on <laughs> like, for an hour and a half um but uh oh, anything else or was that the last thing you want to bring up
2: <laughs> that's the last thing i want to bring up everything else is pretty much a 2021 movie or what i've been watching for podcast research so um yeah
0: <laughs> okay well i only i only have two things and they're super random and neither one of them is that's not much of a recommendation (laughs) but uh okay so because yeah all my stuff's been for other podcasts or i've already mentioned it or it's for the end of the year but um i watched uh because i i I joke i don't watch a lot of tv shows but i did get sucked into cobra kai on netflix Mm. um i don't know if you've ever watched cobra kai yes yes. (laughs) okay so i I, I still
2: need to catch up on the third season but I, i i do know cobra kai yes
0: so um that's one show that actually sucked me in i don't know it because i think it's shorter and it wasn't like nine seasons in or something you know it was like okay I'll catch up with this and everyone was telling me to watch it and the new season will should be out by the time this comes out but it was coming out like mm-hmm. on new year's eve in the united states and uh they're bringing back the like one of the main bad guys from karate kid part three which i've never seen karate kid part three so i was like well oh, i better catch up on that one so i know yeah. about this villain and these dynamics um Thomas Ian Griffin, uh, Griffith, plays uh, the name guy. Uh, Terry Silver and uh, Martin Cove comes back as Crease for three, and they in part three. Part three is like okay, <laughs> 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 I gotta gather my thoughts. Like one of the most unnecessary sequels of all time. I, I like I had fun with it. I'll say that. But it's not very good, and it feels like so so forced. Like it's it's the the, the gas is out of the tank at that point in that franchise. Like um, I like two. I still like Karate Kid two. Uh, not as much Karate Kid one. But three is like we've spent every. We're done. I don't know what we're trying to do at this point. The bad guys are so over the top. Uh, like Thomas Ian Griffith, like calls Martin Kobo on point is doing like within twenty minutes he's doing like this straight up like bad guy over the top evil laugh on the phone was like <laughs> like a real like i'm like we will destroy
2: Daniel's son
0: <laughs> what am i watching like yeah basically it's like we must destroy him and then like they just use this, this evil laugh like thing and i'm like this is bananas like and, <laughs> and if you wanted more bonsai tree talk there's like so much more bonsai tree stuff in three like it's all about mr miyagi starting a bonsai tree Store <laughs> like him and Daniel running oh, this wow. place, yeah. and uh, and you know, these guys just really want Daniel to fight in the tournament again because it's the time is weird. So, like, they made Karate Kid one, I believe, in an '84, mm. and then Karate Kid two, I think, might have been '86. And by the time you Some get lot... to three, it's like '89. So, but in the in movie time, <laughs> I think they, they're just getting back from Japan in part three and it's only been like nine total months since the first movie since the tournament but in real time uh he's uh <laughs> sorry uh Roth macho's aged like five years but it's only been <laughs> nine months in movie time i mean he looks still pretty young he's always looked super young for his age he still looks I like even young in for his age. yeah
2: even even in cobra kai you're like yeah. are you a been to be a 45 or 50 year old man. Cause I'm who owns a car crazy. dealership. Cause I do not buy it.
0: I think he's almost 60 now. I think he's 60. He, yeah, he still has his um, hair. I believe some hair dye yeah. is being applied, but you know, it's not fault the guy. He still looks young. He still looks young. And in the first movie, he, he genuinely looks 15, 16. I think he's like 24. So he's like 28, mm. 29 in this movie. And it's just like, they're trying to get him to fight in the tournament and he won't do it. And they keep pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And the bullies are like so over the top. Like, I'm like, I don't know where these psychopaths came from. <laughs> and <laughs> they kind of, then they do this really weird thing where they clearly want to give him a love interest. Um, and it's Robin Lively, who is like from Teen Witch. If you've seen Teen Witch. Uh, I have. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. And she's, I always like Robin Lively. She's very, she seems very sweet. But the weird thing was that they wanted her to be like his love interest, but she's. I believe in real life, like 16 or 17 when they're making this and Ralph Macchio is like in his late twenties. So because of that, they were like, "Oh
1: no, yeah.
0: Everyone (laughs) felt uncomfortable. They were like, we don't want them to make them like an actual couple. They'll just be platonic friends, but Mm. it feels like they should be dating. You know, it's just weird. Like they have to dance around it. That's all weird. That doesn't work. Um, it's like, it's just, it's not great. It feels like a real, like cashing in type of um you know thing like this should not yeah. have been made uh it's still kind of entertaining I mean it's very watchable but I was just kind of like wow this movie is um <laughs> it's just very strange like and unnecessary honestly um but I- I'm kind of curious how they bring Thomas e- Ian Griffith in- into Cobra Kai and if they tone down his over-the-topness because he's extremely over-the-top <laughs> um It'll be interesting how they work him into the new Cobra Kai season. Um, So now I can say, yeah.
2: Yeah, Cobra Kai surprised me because when I heard they were doing, um, though I think everyone's decided, oh, we'll just bring back things from everything now and then you get Spider-Man No Way Home. Again, I enjoy Spider-Man No Way Home, but it's kind of that thing of, let's just bring everything back, the good and the bad. Um, But Cobra Kai kind of surprised me in the sense, um, oh, I can't remember who the lead guy is, the bully. Um, Anyway, I was not expecting Cobra Kai to be good. And then when I watched that first season, I went, oh, shit, this is actually really good. And then <laughs> you keep watching it and you get addicted to it because it's all about these kind of complicated emotional kind of baggage that everyone has um and then you realize that daniel isn't the saint he is in the in the first few movies i haven't seen the third one which now by your description i kind of want to um but um no because in those movies he's kind of the saint, or not the saint, but he's like good um because it was like daniel good cobra kai bad and when you sort of get into the cobra kai point of view and realize that there are things that are more complicated and messy and um what's his name is just giving an amazing performance i'm like going oh man he should have had this career i'm kind of glad he is now even he has to go back to play that character i'm kind of glad that he's getting this kind of career moment because he's really good <laughs> even probably yeah. better than daniel <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, A rough match here. he uh yeah he surprised me william zapka johnny william zapka yeah, that's it johnny yes, Lawrence, johnny. yeah um he's so good on that show and i was surprised um Cause I just I don't know what he would really done. I feel like he kind of made like guest appearances on shows as the bully from Karate Kid. You know, it was like that seemed to be his career. Was like
1: yes, I was in
0: Karate Kid. I was the bad guy in Karate Kid. Um, but he yeah he kind of carries more of that than almost anybody else in that show for me. Like um, and I it was funny because that show, it's so weird how its like lifespan was like it started off as a YouTube like premium YouTube Red exclusive show like you yes. had to pay for when YouTube. They... Yeah. When they
2: tried to have a a streaming <laughs> channel.
0: <laughs> Horrible mistake from YouTube. There's millions, maybe billions of hours of free content on your site. You're like, "Here, pay for this." Like it makes I'm like no it never made sense. It's like I go to a store where everything is free and they're like, "Well, everything else you can just take, but this you have to pay for." It's like, "Well, I'm not going to pay for that." <laughs> like No. And I didn't think it looked very good from the trailers. Um originally, I was like, "Well, this is going to be like a real like, you know, hack job, like goofy thing." And then it got to Netflix eventually. And then everyone started telling me how good it was. And then I was, yeah, it, it's very good. So I, I've been super into it for the past three seasons. I'm excited for season four. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully that is good as it's been so far. But yeah, it's completely surprised me because I expected like nothing from that show. And it's it's been very good so far.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things that has no right to be as good as it is. Exactly. And then you're watching it, <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're actually putting ideas into this thing. They're not just relying on the fact... That this is Karate Kid. They're like going, okay, so when we're gonna make a Karate Kid show, what do we want this to be about? Okay, let's do it. I mean, yeah, the second season got a bit silly, but I'm like, well, it's Karate Kid. But I think from what I've heard of the third season, I need to go back and 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 watch it. Um, I need to go and actually get on to watch it because um yeah, they actually have ideas that they want to talk about and how these characters have kind of lived um beyond these kind of very eighties teen movies, which I love the first karate kid and the second karate kid. So it's kind of, yeah. So no, I, I, the third one, it does sound amazing on that level. Cause I'm just like going, what is, this sounds amazing. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's, I know it's not,
0: <laughs> it's not great, but it's entertaining. Kind of, it's still, a little, mm. it's, I don't know. It's kind of like, you got to see it to believe it type thing. Um, and if you got a lazy afternoon, you know, a yeah. karate kid three wouldn't be the worst way to spend it. I don't think.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: throw it on. Um, okay. Last thing I'll talk about, um, Another movie that I don't know why I watched. It was so random. Although it is timely because it's mm-hmm. all about New Year's, but uh, I watched, I finally this is crazy because I'm such a big Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. I finally watched End of Days. <laughs> have, you, have you seen yes. End of Days?
2: Wait, Gabriel's it's got Gabriel Bird playing the devil in his, in it, doesn't it?
0: Yes, it does. Yes, it does and Rod
2: Steiger playing and Rod Steiger playing. Yes, I have definitely seen this movie. Um <laughs> I this is a definitely what the fuck is happening on screen movie. <laughs>
0: yeah it's a uh yeah so yeah i, I think i was going through amazon prime and, and a days was on there and i was like well oh, i know it's a new year's movie and i was like i don't know i'm in the move for something kind of stupid anyway <laughs> i have to focus on um and it, it's not great it's not at, at the time i think i stayed away from it because everybody was like oh this movie's not very good and uh you know it's just it's kind of a mess like it's a Peter Hyams movie I like Peter Hyams for the most part mm-hmm. um he made he made my, my beloved sudden death with Van Dam. uh <laughs> um Time Cop
2: and but, Tom, I was gonna say don't forget Time Cop
0: <laughs> and I can never forget Time Cop uh he made <laughs> and um he made The Relic which is a movie I kind of like but that has the same problem as End of Days although it's worse than The Relic is that he I don't know why he started shooting stuff so dark like he, he seemed yeah, obsessed with he- yeah. He was
2: his own DP, wasn't he? He was one of those directors who just preferred to sh- do the shooting. Um I don't know. I'm looking
0: now. Yeah, he was the director of photography. He was cinematographer on end of days. Um
2: Yeah, and he had this obsession of like I'm going to make it dark. And you're just like okay, well so what's what's happening? Um it's <laughs> there is something no, I like the fact that he does cuz he's obviously got like how Harry wants to shoot things and kind of the lighting and all that kind of thing. But yeah end of days is kind of wild it de- really depends on your definition of good but i <laughs> very much enjoy this movie pure because rod steiger's a crazy priest and whatever gabriel burns is just having fun <laughs> he's just uh, the weirdest threesome i've ever seen um oh
0: yeah
2: um <laughs> that
0: was very strange It's <laughs> just
2: like wait wait, what's happening um of them just lying in bed on their back and he's just doing whatever i'm like this doesn't okay um robert hines have you ever, i'm even gonna ask that question um but <laughs> it's it's um yeah it's it's a fun is kind of a, actually a good new year's eve movie especially if you've just come home after whatever you're doing and you don't necessarily want to concentrate too much and you just want images thrown at you it's actually a pretty good choice
0: yeah i uh, it's a mix of it's a mixed bag it's like there's some stuff i really like like uh some weirdo stuff like uh, gabriel burns very good uh, mm-hmm. I think is the devil. He's really, he's he's not, it's not Al Pacino and like Devil's Advocate. It's not like that kind of like over the top thing. It's a little more- Well, no
2: one is really. Yeah, no, I mean,
0: nobody could be, um, but it's it's more understated. He's kind of menacing in a quiet way, uh, but he has kind of moments where, you know, it, just, it turns it up a notch. Um, uh, not the best I've seen Arnold. Like he's like clearly trying to do like, I feel like this hard boiled- um, guy who's miserable and like an alcoholic, uh, you know, um kind of uh <laughs> he's lost his family. So he's doing like the burned out detective thing where it's like he's drinking like whiskey in the morning and you yes, know, like yeah. there's an insane it's it's funny because it's the first letterbox review, like the most popular letterbox review of end of days. And I laugh so hard because I couldn't get over this scene. Um, so I feel like they go so far to show that Arnold is like the you know, he's going through a lot right now type thing. So it's like, he's so fucked up, he'll do anything. So there's a scene where he's in his kitchen. Kevin Pollack is like his partner and has come in to like kind of get him up for the day to go do a job. And Arnold makes a smoothie out of like random stuff in the kitchen. He throws in coffee, Pepto-Bismol, beer, leftover Chinese food, and a piece of pizza he finds on the floor (laughs) and throws it into a blender and makes like a smoothie. (laughs) And I was dying i was like what is happening <laughs> um oh um... you
2: know you've hit rock bottom when you pick up pizza off the floor um <laughs> you're
0: putting floor pizza into your smoothie of beer <laughs> that's surprising He's like there throw a cigarette button there like it's just really oh my god it I, so there's like weirdo stuff there's an amazing helicopter action sequence here at the beginning that it looks mostly practical like they mm. it almost i i don't know how they did like took a helicopter in new york city and did all these stunts. It, it's crazy. Like people on rooftops and like Arnold, but mostly his stunt double <laughs> is hanging <laughs> yeah. from a helicopter and the helicopter's flying along a building. He's trying to grab a guy, a sniper on a building while he's hanging from a helicopter. And it all looks so dangerous. <laughs> like, um, I don't know how much practical and how much what they did, but it looks like a lot is practical and it's pretty impressive. I'm like, this looks genuinely very dangerous. <laughs> and, uh, it's I mean so there's stuff it's stuff I liked and then just stuff it's like this is kind of dumb and like I don't know the movie the it doesn't really come together in any kind of way <laughs> for me it didn't come together um so yeah just kind of a mess but like kind of a fun mess <laughs> so yeah, yeah I
2: remember a lot of bad CG and it. it's been a few years since Ooh, I've watched it yeah. but I do especially in the like, church near the end I remember a lot of CG of just like a blob arnie just like being thrown through walls i think i could remember remembering this wrong
0: <laughs> the, the, the devil kind of transforms near the end and he it's like i try to be kind of like cgi that's older like i just watched um the end of mummy returns the other day on tv that scorpion king cgi is like oh
1: yeah god even,
0: awful. yeah
2: even in like 2001 whenever that movie came out that was not yeah it, that was jarring
0: <laughs> I, end of days reminded me of like the cgi like in spawn which is also very bad cgi um i know i feel bad because it was like 97 and End of days 99 but it's like yeah it's i think it's bad even for that time <laughs> so it's like oh you can tell they were trying to do something here and it didn't work out but um yeah i mean i guess i'm glad i finally watched end of days i don't know it's another movie off the schwarzenegger list and uh basically all i knew about it for years was like the scene where It's it also had the scene where Schwarzenegger yells a devil and he's like, You're a fucking choir boy compared to me, (laughs) and uh, you know, which is it's worth watching alone just for that line. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's it's a mixed bag, it's fine, it's end of days is fine, (laughs) so yeah, it's um, it's
2: it's it's, again a good late night you have after you've had a few drinks kind of watch where you can just kind of go, Yeah that happened um but I haven't seen it in a few years but I do remember having quite a good time with it just because of the the weirdness of what the hell is kind of carrying me through yeah
0: <laughs> so well I think I've talked plenty about end of days and karate kid part three <laughs> so random movies um so we could talk from can... those
2: movies to Inglorious Bastards. Do
0: we go, what a there's no way to segue, so just Inglorious Bastards. Um, so I I think I came upon this like this is my new way to pick episodes for this show. Is that is that I
2: was one I, I'm actually curious about this, yes, because I was even though I love this movie, I was surprised I got asked. And um, but I was just like, oh yeah, of course I'm gonna talk about this movie. But yes, <laughs> how how do you pick these now?
0: This is my new this is my new process. I'm liking it so far. So I Kind of go through like I'm like oh who who am I talking to in a while who am I going to have on like me and you were doing an episode for your show at the same time mm-hmm. so we like do one one of each to to maximize <laughs> our time <laughs> so uh, it's a big time difference you are here in Australia so we gotta like do it when we can so I exactly. was like well what can I talk to Lindsay about I hadn't really planned anything because we we're going to do your show but I want to talk to you for my show so mm-hmm. but my new thing now is like I want to talk somebody like you or whoever maybe now I go to the, I stalk the letterbox if they have a letterbox I go to the letterbox. <laughs> I go to your like your just diary of movies you've logged and I flip it to like highest rated and I start scrolling through and uh if I see something that pops out like you know four and a half five stars I'm like well they love that Mm -hmm. movie and then I'm like do I want to talk about I kind of think of things I want to talk about that match up with things that the person loves so Mm -hmm. I saw you rating glorious backwards really high like either four and a half or five stars something like that
2: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) and i i don't know what it just popped out of all the other you you know i was like i don't know why it stuck out um probably also in the back of my mind i had the thought recently i was like yeah i've been doing the tony scott series and scottable but i don't really want to do like another director series again i kind of just want to like when that one's done it's done and i don't want to do another but i think eventually depending how long the podcast (laughs) goes on for uh tarantino's only made is only going to make 10 movies. He hasn't made the 10th one yet, but he said he's going to stop at 10. And I was like, eventually we'll probably get to every Tarantino movie. So why not start knocking them off? So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to go any kind of order because this is not his first movie, obviously. But I was, you know, it all those things kind of paired up to like, well, let's do the chorus because I knew it'd be easy to talk about too because I do love this movie. Um, I'm going to ask you how you feel about it. I, I think I've already played my hand that you love this movie because I saw you rate highly Letterbox. But, um, But yeah, I so that's kind of how I came to this. I know it seems random, but uh, but yeah, um, so your general like general thoughts on the Ghostbusters, like when you first saw it, were you knocked out by it, or take a lot to come to it, or I'm just curious.
2: I was knocked out by it. It actually (laughs) was the movie that got me into Tarantino in the first place. Oh wow. Um, even though I grew up in the golden age of 90s indie cinema, I was not that interested in it. I do remember my dad bringing home the VHS of Pulp Fiction and going, right, gather around family we're watching Pulp Fiction. And just the, uh, I don't know, I don't think I was as into violence on screen as I am now. Um, and the, just the added chronology kind of uh, structure of it. I think I, just, I remember falling asleep um, during it. So I just... Could not, I was, give me clueless. I don't want to watch whatever. And um, I don't like, I didn't even like Daisy Confused. I rathered more rides to Clerks. I mean, that's where I was when I was like 14. um, And I remember my partner found out I hadn't seen it. um, And he goes, okay, so we have to watch Glorious Bastards. I'm like, oh, am I a Quentin Tarantino person? He goes, yes, everyone is a Quentin Tarantino person. Don't be silly. And then... <laughs> and he goes but right before we watched i remember him standing in front of the tv lecturing me um he goes <laughs> right this movie is not historically accurate so i do not want to hear about what things happened and what things didn't um it's just what it is yeah we'll and get into it. like, it's
0: not historically accurate
2: it's definitely not historically accurate oh, kind yeah. of wish fulfillment if you were kind of like another movie he just recently made um yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we sat down and, watched it and I remember being on edge from that first scene with Christoph Waltz because I didn't know where it was going. Um, the language he was using, the fact that that conversation goes on forever, and he's just playing with that poor guy of like, I know exactly, I know, kind of know where they are, and I know you're hiding people. And he kind of leans into his whole thing, and is just the way the language used, and I'm just like going. Oh my God, this tension needs to be broken. I can't handle it. And then for the rest of the movie, I'm just like going, shit, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And by, yeah. And then I became a Tarantino fan after that. I mean, it would have been a couple of years after it was released, maybe 2012, I think this happened when I watched it. And um it's yeah, it's kind of one of those movies that just it was kind of the key movie for me where I went after that after say watching exploitation I went oh I understand what this is because I saw the Rosetta Stone which is in Glorious Bastards and now I understand Italian I understand French movies I understand um how exploitation is meant to work and how movies are kind of put together almost it's kind of yeah it's a big when I was re-watching it I realized how much of a big movie this movie is actually to me because it kind of started a new way of watching movies almost, which is why I said I was a bit nervous talking about it, because I'm like, going, oh, shit, this movie means a shit ton more to me than I ever actually remembered. <laughs>
0: wow. That, no, that's fascinating. I did not know that it meant that much. to You know what I mean? I didn't know that yeah. much. To you. That's, that's fascinating. So th- this feels like it like unlocked something in your mind about just kind of like watching movies in a different way or kind of the different styles or?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah because it's because it's all different languages and at the time I didn't really notice that each language has their own sort of movie style to sort of go with it or even accent um and then when I sort of because now I've watched a whole bunch of Italian movies um and I've watched a whole bunch of um other kind of movies and exploitation and kind of things so I kind of know where Tarantino is coming from now and that was kind of the way I went oh I like this and then I, when I watched say, death race 2000 for the first time i went oh i think i know what this is he didn't reference in directly but he's got that kind of feeling to his movies and then i could go back and watch kill bill and i could watch um hateful eight and go Ha-ha-ha! see what you're doing the thing <laughs> <Leone. laughs> kabuchi I, I i i understand <laughs> i felt i got 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 in on the joke if that if that makes sense
0: it does make sense i mean he's always been uh known you know for a very long time about i mean they people some people call it ripping people off some people say point paying homage however you want to however you want to <laughs> say it. he's been known for a very long time to just kind of lift from things but he mm. he's always lifted from things that i feel like are fairly obscure to a mainstream audience like mm. for i mean for example I, I don't know when i found this out but that there's a another movie called the inglorious bastards he just took yes. the title have you ever seen the original the inglorious bastards i have not seen it no yet.
2: i have been meaning to it's been on my june exploitation list for about five years um, <laughs> to get around to watching and i never have um it's kind of like a, one of the prominent uh exploitation italian directors i can't think of the guy the top of my head but he's done other stuff that i think i've actually seen like he's a big western guy um so yeah i mean the title and he spelt it wrong because i think he's just playing around with language in that movie this kind of feels uh, this really okay no all his movies he's showing off but in this particular movie i think i mean he kind of declares it a masterpiece at the end i'm like okay yep yep (laughs) quentin yep i think you've come really close
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i uh well, I'll say spoilers too to people. I feel like I don't say that enough. But I think most people have probably seen this. But just in case, we'll be spoiling the whole movie. But Oh, yes. Um, yeah. and, and
2: quoting it a lot, especially yeah. Hans Landa, which I always feel terrible about. But he's got one of the most quotable
1: kind of characters.
0: <laughs> I Oh, there's so much to talk about. He's such a fascinating character because yeah. obviously he's a despicable piece of shit. He's a Nazi. But it's so frustrating because he, he's this awful human being. But God damn it, he's such a good detective. He's so yes. smart. He's like always one step ahead of everybody in the movie. And Christoph Waltz playing him is just so um, engaging. And you can't like oh. take your eyes off him. Anytime he comes into a scene, uh, it's, I was really like, I know everyone kind of was, that's where we all saw him. I feel like first time it's like, who's this Christoph Yo, Waltz yeah. guy. And I was kind of marveling again this time in his performance. Cause I'm, all the stuff he's doing he's speaking in four different languages throughout the movie and doing them all pretty well from what I could tell you know
2: did not know how to speak Italian and then when he speaks Italian you're like oh he's a fluent speaker in Italian no he wasn't he knew I think a little bit but um it's kind of amazing when you find out what actors had to learn which um which uh languages it's it's absolutely fascinating
0: (laughs) yeah and I'll go back because um the the beginning we can start the game of the movie because yes. I, I saw this uh opening weekend with a packed crowd because it's all the, <sighs> this is also interesting to note because this is a big gap for tarantino he has a big gap between jackie brown and kill bill volume one i think it's six years it's 97 mm-hmm. 2003 and then this kill bill volume two comes down in 04. this is oh nine yeah it's like five year gap i think so one of his biggest gaps i'm glad he kind of started closing that a little bit because i was like are we only getting movies from like every five years, you know, on average. Um, mm. But luckily, he started to tighten it up a little bit. So um, yes, yeah, he, like he definitely
2: has. <laughs> well, yeah.
0: And so I was hyped because I, I have made it very clear I'm a big Tarantino fan of the show. Sometimes in, in in interviews in real life, I'm like, Oh, God, Tarantino, why did you say this? Why would you say that? But <laughs> but it's his movies like talking about unlocking stuff. Like when I saw Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, it's all very close mm. together that mm. completely like unlocked my love for movies. And I was like, oh, I want to I want to make movies. I was, you know, it was like a one 2 punch of like, oh, my God, I'm seeing movies completely differently now. I care about who's directing them, uh, how they're made, all these things. Um, so I was a very hardcore fan at this point and was like waiting and saw it with a packed crowd. And like it played so well that opening scene, right; it's so tense. It's so suspenseful. Oh. It's I, I, it's a few things I can say, like, because I feel like Tarantino for a long time, especially, I think even before this or before Kill Bill got the knock of like, it's like a passive aggressive comment where they're like, oh, well, he's a better writer than director. They don't, the people, or, you know. I have
2: said that about, I think before this movie <laughs> came out, I think I said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> if, you know what? Fiction,
0: it's fair. Like, Dialogue's good. <laughs> he's been a great yeah. writer for, long time um I think he's gotten better as director and this movie like it shows that off completely from the first scene that's the first scene is so well directed I think it's one of the best things he's ever directed it Um, really
2: is I had that I have that in my notes (laughs) this is the best thing he's ever done is that opening scene to Inglorious Bastards it's
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it is it it, it, like because once he also kind of shows you that there's this Jewish family hiding underneath the floorboards then it's like it goes up another level of like, oh, okay, this is very stressful now because we yes. just want him to leave and not find them. But it's like you just know that they're gonna get caught and you know, you don't know what's gonna happen, and it's so tense. And um he, but he's still so cool about it and so calm about it, you know. That's kind of that's the thing too. It's like he's so calm about things for most of the movie that it's like this calm psychopath who's in control of himself and uh knows what he's doing is very smart and just yeah and how oh my god so when they you know open fire on the floor uh shoshana escapes and the way he shoots that like through the door for running away oh it's um, ford
2: it's that's that's the one thing oh. i got because i actually went back and <laughs> said because i saw this and went wait that's john ford that is uh, that is um Uh, these that's the searches, and it's kind of this amazing reverse searches shot because it's meant to be John Ford walking toward the homestead, which is back to civilization and family and whatever you want to call it. And he can't do it because he's just not a part of it. And then you have it's that shot, it's Shoshana running for her life away from the danger out into the wild. I'm just like going. Okay. Okay. I'm um, just applauding. Go. Yep. Okay. I see what you're doing there. I see you doing the Quentin. Well done. That's. <laughs> that's, that's I, I
0: noticed that too. I was like, oh, that's a total yeah, like searcher shot. Like, ah, uh, God. Yeah. And then we don't know that she's going to become a main character. So he's pointing the gun at her, and yeah. when he pulls it up, and you're like, oh, you know, he's not going to shoot her, and he's still, au revoir, Shana, Like he's still, you know, he likes to fuck with people. The whole movie. I that yeah, it's like he. It always feels like he knows things even when I feel like you he couldn't possibly know things (laughs) like oh yeah
2: (laughs) yeah the Sherlock Holmes kind of thing really kind of thing up this time because he is like the evil Sherlock Holmes um just the way he talks I mean okay question do you think that pipe he smokes is unnecessarily large um
0: (laughs) yes I would I would say so yeah it's uh a very it's large fight.
2: it's an amazing <laughs> bit and i kind of just it always i always forget about it so every time because you've got the poor guy french guy who's hiding the family smoking a pipe and just trying to his best to act normal um and then you have hans bringing out this ludicrous large pipe and just like i just like what, what is happening um it's so freaking large but no he is this one step a ab- from everyone and when he's coming in he's kind of doing the colombo thing where he's like acting like a bit of a bureaucratic buffoon he's like oh i just have to be here because i just need to take everything off because you know change of management and then it's and then as soon as he says oh i need to the beautiful way he says oh i've run out of french and it's like no it's because (laughs) you know the family below doesn't speak english so you're switching to English. And as soon as he switches to English, the ru- the air goes out of the room because he's suddenly revealing who he is. Um, and I can't believe Quentin Tarantino wrote this movie, probably not speaking a word of French, Italian or German. Um, but <laughs> it's... Yeah, and then when he switches to English and that line of like, I assume they don't speak English because they haven't mm. done anything yet. And yeah. it's just this insidious, evil, oh no <laughs> moment that you're just your hair is standing up on the top of your um, arm because it is, you have no control over what is happening. He is coming in complete control and he is not the person you want in any kind of control of the situation. It's... um Oh, Christoph Waltz, whenever you're in a Tarantino movie, you're just a chef's kiss. I don't know what <laughs> it is about him and Tarantino because I do not enjoy him as much in anything else. I was thinking I get the same excited, thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then as soon as he gets that Tarantino script, I'm like, oh, Chef's kiss, this and Django. Yes, he deserve two of those, both those Oscars.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's one of those things too. Yeah, well, I'm like, I can't think of much outside of a Tarantino movie that I've enjoyed him in. I I really think beyond. Sam Jackson, who I don't think anybody reads Tarantino dialogue better than Sam Jackson. Oh, uh, no, no. Uh, that it's Christoph Waltz, I think, is is got to be second, I would say. Like, I think he's right behind him um, with reading Tarantino dialogue, and he's just so much better, I think, in these Tarantino movies. Like, um, it's just something elevates his game, or it's just like the perfect match of uh, actor, director, and the dialogue and everything. It just works so well. Um yeah. Yeah. No, he, I, yeah, I had always thought for, that, sorry, yeah. yeah,
2: he won both Tarantino movies he's been in. So that's, that's what, okay.
0: <laughs> I couldn't remember. I was like, he actually won for these, right? Yeah. He no, well yeah. deserved. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well deserved. I mean, this one, it was a given. I think Glorious Bastards, <laughs> everyone just went, no, you have to give best supporting actor to him because he's just amazing. Because I had thought for years uh, Tarantino had discovered him and, th- or not discovered him, but uh, America discovered Waltz, wrote the part specifically for him and then got him in Glorious Bastards. He was, searching everywhere for um, Hans Lader. he thought that he wouldn't be able to make it because he thought he had written an unperformable character. And then Christoph Waltz walks in, does the thing, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're Hans Lader. That That is exactly what I had in my head. So it was kind of like this right actor meets right script at the right time kind of thing. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten Inglorious Bastards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, me- I remember that story. I'd kind of forgotten about that, but yeah, we're That's yeah. a hard. It, that's a good point. It's a really hard part. You're asking a person to do a lot, um, and it's just hard to pull off. Like I was thinking, you go through this whole movie with this guy who's been like, he's the villain of the movie, but he's still yes. charismatic. When he does his that's a bingo thing, got like one of the biggest oh laughs, laughs in the theater. But you said like, bingo. <laughs> yeah, that's a bingo. That's some more Italian accent. I already stood there, but yeah, I can't. <laughs> But they're like just, just bingo, <laughs> you know. Just um, bingo, yeah. <laughs> I it's it's an amazing performance. I'm glad we talked about it, like right away because I was like, I've always thought it was a great performance, but this time I feel like I was just even noticing so much more. And kind of jump ahead in the movie back to when uh, Shoshana is in France and running the theater, and she gets taken to that that lunch.
1: Oh,
0: and yeah. when he pops up behind her and they do that like music sting, that's like you oh, know,
1: <laughs> yes the
0: scary you know it's like oh god and um
2: like the empire march or whatever yeah. the um john williams score is that it's just exactly like that he's like he's back and you're like oh no <laughs> but yes i get to hear him talk and then he disrespects an apple strudel which i'm still upset about
0: well, but <laughs> maybe the other greatest thing tarantino's ever done is the way he shoots that apple strudel with the cream oh, it's like oh my, i never wanted the, apple strudel so bad in my life <laughs>
2: There's a way that the guy spoons the cream and puts yes. it on. And this way he says, Oh, I forgot to order the cream in, in like perfect French. And um, then, I mean, the dairy in this movie is glorious. I mean, the when he's drinking the milk at the beginning is like, your wonderful milk. And it looks like <laughs> thick as fuck. Um, <laughs> it's like, That's going to clog up everything for like an hour after drinking just a little bit. But uh, I don't know if it was, but that's what it looks like. But that cream and. Shoshana's not able to eat anything because she's just in a state of like terror and like trauma and he's just like smoking and talking away and then eating this kind of, oh, this perfect apple strudel and um, yeah, it's it's, it's amazing.
0: (laughs) These little things he does, like he's just so the yeah. characters so weird is it any you know little credit uh, things
2: he's always doing something with his hands it's not just him talking which would have been fine because the dialogue and the way he delivers it is amazing but he's always doing something with his hands like either pressing the fingers on the table or smoking oh, or yes yeah, it's, yeah, he's yeah. never he's always in constant motion which is fascinating
0: yeah the all these little idiosyncrasies like like yeah. the whole I love she she goes to I like take a bite of the apple strudel and he's like no, no, wait for the cream. Like Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, he's very like, oh, you got to have the cream with it. And uh, it does look amazing. But uh, so I, really I was does. kind of reading about this movie and Googling things before we did this. And I, I have never thought, as people were saying online, they think that he knows right away that, I don't know, he knows her or that she was the girl from that incident. I don't see how he could possibly know that's her right away.
2: I don't I think he figured yeah he obviously figures it out but I don't think he knows straight away because I think he's got that amazing arrogance about him that he thinks everything he's going to do is going to work out because he's so smarter than everyone else um I think yeah I think he does I don't know when he does because I've always been a thing oh why does he let it get away because he would have made that shot um but he lets it go and goes oh voila, Shoshana um so he's kind of oh I let one get away um we'll see what happens just to throw a little, little bit of thing in the world and it's yeah I don't I don't know when he figures it out but I know he does because he's kind of pieced together everything that's about to happen when he when he's down in the basement investigating the the shootout um I love the bit when he finds the shoe and and then finds the the signature and you're like oh no um but it's yeah it's he's he makes decisions that don't make he's constantly making decisions that don't make sense in the moment but then become even then i don't know why because i still don't know why he ultimately let shoshana live. if that's his whole thing of just the pleasure of torturing people and or he maybe when he sort of says the Jew hunter. That's a name that just got stuck. Um, little, the, the whole little man line. I love the Germans call me little man. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's like, I thought you'd be much smaller for the way they talk about you.
2: <laughs> but you're not, a, you're not, you're not, you're uh, not a dwarf size. You're actually <laughs> normal sized person. Um, it's <laughs> so brilliant at shade when he sort of says I did this because I knew I could make money. So maybe he just doesn't necessarily care that he kills everyone. Um, and he likes a little bit of chaos in the world. Um, I don't know. He's such a shifting character with shifting points of view. You never quite know where he's gonna land. So yeah, it's um it's it's kind of amazing.
0: I was gonna say it all kind of kind of becomes revealed because I was thinking, I can't remember when I thought this. It wasn't this time because I know where it's going, but uh he kind of uh you know, he knows that they've infiltrated the screen at the end because he knows. Uh, Diane Kruger is working with them because the stuff he finds in the bar um, so he let's the obviously and I'm sure he's smart to realize that that the the bastards are not real Italians uh,
2: <laughs> he, knows, okay. he knows that it's why he speaks perfect <laughs> Italian to them My and God. all they can say is yeah grazie.
0: <laughs> one of the hardest <laughs> genuine laughs I think I've heard in a theater is when Brad Pitt first speaks Italian in his thick like Tennessee accent like that he has like grazie <laughs>
1: grazie <laughs>
0: That's Um Arriva Derci. Like it's just And <laughs> oh, he can speak God. the
2: best Italian because he says, I speak the best Italian, so I'm number one.
0: then <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah, ridiculous uh accents. Oh. I love the third guy, I'll blank in the actor's name. It's like it's like you're the next guy. He's like, I don't speak any Italian. Like I said, you third best. You're number, <laughs> third, third <laughs> you're number best. 3 the <laughs> Um Dominic D'Amico it's like all the I don't think they do the hand motions him and the eye Roth is do like the, the hand motion yeah. with the fingers <laughs> together um so ridiculous that, that oh my god but there's so much That's good stuff in this so movie great. so um but because I think because he realizes he's smart enough land is smart enough to know that like this ship is sinking <laughs> like <laughs> the the Germans are not winning this war um so he's looking for a way out so he's yeah. just plotting his way out and sees the way out to negotiate um with Brad Pitt and like his command officer, like get me, you know, safe passage. Uh, I won't call a theater to call off the attack. Um, Yeah. So he's just, the gears are constantly turning, I think for Lanta where he's just trying to, he's just worried about himself. Basically. I just think it's all (laughs) self-preservation. really
2: is which is why the beautiful moment of when Brad Pitt is going I can't abide because you're going to take off that fancy ass uniform I can't abide the Nazi walking around not knowing people not knowing they're a Nazi Nazi, sorry gotta say it right Nazi (laughs) Nazi. killing Nazis um (laughs) you kind of love that so he says it a lot as well which I'm just yes keep saying the line um (laughs) it's and they sort of do the do the swats on his forehead it's kind of the perfect um Way to get back old for his um, downfall because he's kind of putting on the Nazi uniform not necessarily because he's a believer but because he knows he can get something out of it, um, which is even which is just as bad as being a Nazi. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> let I'm not making I'm not saying he's better than anything. I mean he's he's full Nazi. Um, he just likes um, killing and he he obviously enjoys that. He's just not necessarily the great believer. So. For him to be going, no, no, you're a Nazi, and you're always going to be forever a Nazi, I think is absolutely just the perfect kind of retribution for him. It's, it's kind of wonderful.
0: <laughs> it is pretty perfect, because I remember, I think people were very disappointed if he just kind of got away scot-free, because he's the villain of the whole movie. And I, I do love when he's like, "You're the command officer will throw you in jail or kill you or something For like this. And he's like, perhaps it's like, no, I'm going to get chewed out. I've been chewed out before, but uh, <laughs> it's like it's yeah. not that bad. Um, <laughs> Which it probably will because he, the guy's still a Nazi, so they'll be like, "Ah, oh, you shouldn't have done that," but oh well, we don't care because he's a Nazi. So
2: yeah, because uh, what I love about this, this is one of Quentin Tarantino's highest-grossing movies, and um, I, I love it because um, it's one. It's in four languages, which really happens in a in a blockbuster. It is, and it's so violent from the get-go but because you're watching them kill kill, kill the Nazis um it's well it's fine because you don't you're like yeah you guys deserve it you're awful and um you can be as violent to them as you possibly want and it kind of it's it's cool kind of cathartic thing especially toward the end when everything's going off and you just have this amazing um, Shoshana kind of laughing at the screen as the flames are going up and all the, the, all of them going, oh no. And then all of a sudden they go up and start shooting Goebbels and Hitler. And it's like, yes. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Oh my God. There's <laughs> when they, so I, I, we didn't talk about that. So Hitler's in the movie, obviously. Uh, yes, 99 and- nine. <laughs> is that
2: a, is that, what what is that movie when it's um bruno something in the bunker and he's because ha- i've seen the movie but i haven't seen it in such a long time that i only know the youtube kind of thing where they'd make him get upset oh. about justin bieber so yeah they time, make him upset about yeah. like
0: anything um and yeah. they just dub over it is it called downfall is that the movie
2: downfall that's it yeah okay. i wonder if that's a downfall reference because i think it was that oh maybe it was before or after but it's just him screaming nine 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 it's hilarious to me <laughs>
0: yeah i i like how they kind of I know some people don't like this and I I like when people take the piss out of like really awful historical figures like because yes people are like oh you shouldn't make them kind of jokey it's not like but he's making a joke of them which I always like that he kind of takes the piss out of Hitler in this and um I think it's important to because like going into this I did not know that this would not be like, as historically inaccurate as it gets.
2: Neither did I. So, when they, that theater started blowing up, I lost my mind.
0: So, I, yeah. And the theater starts blowing up. And I think, well, of course they're going to have some out for Hitler. Like, he's going to escape out of backside door or something. Nope. But no, then they just <laughs> murder him. And it, like, just to wild applause. Like, it was like when he gets, he's getting shot. He's turning like Swiss cheese. Like, they cut that, like, dummy. And they're just, there's whole. I mean like cool because it's it's supposed to be Hitler you feel great about it you're like yeah shoot yeah. him
2: up please. shoot him up like Swiss cheese please oh. and I'm applauding it it's yeah. not yeah this is not a movie um it's kind of the same well the opposite feeling of watching well spoilers for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when um the Manson kids start going up that driveway and then I'm like oh no is he going to do an inglorious bastards or is he going to actually show this? Cause I don't think this is something I actually want to see on screen. And of course then Leonardo DiCaprio runs out with his frigging blender screaming about hippies. (laughs) Um, And then I went, Oh no, 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 this is, this is, he's going to go inglorious bastards. And he did. And uh, I appreciate that. And again, it's got that same pathetic violence of, and I know people criticize this for the same thing. It's like at that point they hadn't done anything yet, but at the same time in reality, they would do something horrific. And to sort of see someone getting a a can of dog food in the face, even though it is it is just like, yeah, yeah, do it. I'm fine with that. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) It's kind of like this amazing revenge kind of um, cathartic wish fulfillment. And yeah, that is absolutely what Glorious Bastards delivers.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's very cathartic because I didn't expect it all because I just thought, well, he's got Hitler in here, but he'll get Hitler out of here because Hitler didn't die like this. But then he's like, fuck it it's a movie because that's he's like i make movies and this i can do whatever i want because it's my movie and i love that because i should have expected what happened in once my time in hollywood because i'd seen in glorious bastards but i still Mm. wasn't sure what he was going to do um and i was kind of dreading it too i remember when they first even announced that there was about sharon tate i was like oh man that's such a dark depressing story i don't think i want to see that on screen either i was like you um And I didn't know where it was, even the movie theater was so tense leading up to it because we're like, what's going to happen here? Mm. And then it's super cathartic. I couldn't believe anybody was genuinely upset about that because it's a movie. Like we're, (laughs) this is not real, like it's a real event, but like, and because we have the knowledge of like, they would have gone and killed Sharon Tate if Mm. they hadn't gone to this wrong house. So we know that in real life. So we know how. You know, and I couldn't anyone try to defend that about like this is terrible. I'm like, well, it's a movie, first of all. <laughs> so but it's um, a movie, yeah, and
2: those people actually did something awful. Yes, it is Brad Pitt beating up on three women, but those women went into a house with knives, intending to kill everyone inside, and they did. So it's not like um, yeah, so it's kind of this <laughs> cathartic thing. And when you're watching, yes. Uh, Hitler did not die in the way he dies in *Inglorious Bastards Um, but to see him actually be murdered I don't know why it is such a cathartic thing it's like this kind of whole the worst person in the world getting the just desserts that they may have deserved and I'm not even for the death penalty like I'm but this is a movie so I'm okay with (laughs) with all of this but it's kind of this um, weird thing of like no, yeah shoot Hitler a thousand times so he looks like a piece of uh, Swiss cheese I fuck yes (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I just, I thought that was, yeah. No, I don't think anyone complained about the Hitler getting killed in Glorious Bastards. is no like, no. hey, yes. that was mean. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, he, I just was so, my whole theater was shocked by that. I think we were like, oh, okay, they did that. Okay, okay, all right. right. So, yeah, um, I, my
2: mouth was on the floor of my house going, what did they just do? <laughs> I mean,
0: the whole ending is crazy. I don't i the place, but like the ending, it looks, yeah. I don't know how they actually shot it or how much is, CGI fire, real fire. It looks like real fire. It looks very dangerous. I don't know what the- It looks
2: really dangerous. Like all I can think about every time now I watch it now after, again, because I think his closest movie is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thematically and everything else too Inglorious. All I can think of is hearing Leo going, can we do something about the heat?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so yeah.
2: yeah, I think, yeah, Once Upon- it's kind of weird that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has kind of imbued itself into Inglorious bastards, but I think they do match up quite- quite nicely but yeah that looked really dangerous because they're in a room with real fire because cgi fire still looks crap and (laughs) and i love how they set up the whole nitrate film stock and it's like samuel jackson narrating look they wouldn't um even let you on a tram and then there's a split screen to like an old movie or whatever that is yeah and then shoshana had 237 something like that 37 uh rolls of uh, nitrate um film stock and you're just like going oh shit's about to blow up yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's
0: yeah They're like that you're is like oh a, this i'm is... using
2: this at the end this is yeah. gonna come back i'm like... specifically telling you
0: <laughs> and, and i think most people wouldn't know that information about film and nitrate no. and how fast it would burn and it's like it's it's good to give you the information and then show you the pile of film and it's like oh this place is going to go up like a matchbox like this place yes. is going to go up like crazy so um yeah i mean the ending is just this big crazy audacious thing and um, but meanwhile then you have the whole thing with landa trying to cut a deal with brad pitt and uh well bj novak's there too but it's like he's not doing as much but uh, he's just but, like
2: going, they call me little man yeah, <laughs> i little still man, love that yeah. line reading so much.
0: and cutting his little deal to get away and you're like oh mm. this guy is just a a weasel who just wants yeah. to look out for himself and he's just trying to make you know get out and uh i mean yeah it's it's Very interesting. I didn't know where it was going to go. Especially after they killed Hitler. I was like, what's going to happen
2: now? (laughs) Yes. all rules are off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny. We've talked about it for this long. And like, we've barely talked about Brad Pitt, who I thought it was funny. He's top build. And this time I Googled, I was like, how much is he actually in this movie? Mm -hmm. Because it's a two and a half hour movie. And he's only in the movie, apparently he has like 27 minutes of screen time. He makes the most of it. I just thought it was interesting that he's like, He's the biggest name in the movie, obviously. But it's just funny yes. that like he seems like he's the main character, but he's really not in the movie as much as I think people would suspect, especially when you're going into it. Um, but I mean, no, I mean I, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: it's interesting. It is definitely more of an ensemble, and each kind of character you meet kind of has their own arc and story, even Fastbender, who's only like in two scenes. Oh
0: yeah.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> but kind of steals when he steals the movie when he's in it. But um yeah, it's fascinating. But I do love that cut for when you've finished with Landa, who's the most articulate intelligent yes evil man and on the planet and he's just like switching languages like it's nothing and he's like just talking in these very big long circles just to confuse people because he knows if he just keeps talking with that he'll just instantly just get what he wants because people will just be so confused by what he's saying or just know (laughs) that they're in so much danger Mm -hmm. and then you switch to um i think i don't think it's directly is it directly to brad pitt going We're here, we're killing Nazis. And it's just this instant kind of um, change of tone because Brad Pitt is not articulate. He's this Tennessee accent. He's he's getting to the point very very quickly and it, it was suddenly we're in the dirty we were in a John Ford movie now we're in a um a Dirty Dozen it's, it's kind of incredible yeah
0: that opening because I, I finally saw Dirty Dozen for the first time this year it was on Daniel's yeah, podcast talking about it and realized and that's oh I watched it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and Tarantino took a lot from I mean he's I mean he said openly this is his Dirty Dozen movie yeah um which it is but there's a lot more going on because like oh You're not with the bastards as much as I think you would think when we call them glorious bastards. You're with Shoshana a lot. You're with Landa a lot. Um, There's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, And I think it's one of those things too, when like all the stories are interesting, you know what I mean? So you might cut between things. and It's like, Oh, I'm not, I don't care about this character. It's not that interesting, but like I think all of it works and all of it's interesting Um, because I, I, again, another thing to Tarantino, he's very good at finding actors or bringing back old actors He's Always got a lot of credit for that. I was like, he really knocked out of the park in this one because he finds Melanie Laurent to yes. play Shoshano. I
2: loved her in this this time around, I think. Um, because I'd always go, Oh, Landa, Landa, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Landa, and then I'm suddenly I'm watching it going, Oh, uh, Laurent is just freaking incredible. Mel- Melanie Laurent is, oh, is amazing. Her parts of it are just beautiful and spellbinding, they're incredible.
0: Yeah, I, she's great. I can't remember if I'd even like seen her in much uh, before this i don't think a lot of people had seen her in much uh christoph waltz obviously was kind of a find um uh michael fassbender who i don't remember seeing him stuff he hadn't been he wasn't magneto yet i think if i remember nope. right i um, think i remember
2: correctly i think this was one of his i think he had been in stuff but not much daniel Bruhl. um daniel Brühl, I think yeah. This is the first, yeah yeah uh did you spot leah Sado?
0: <laughs> wait uh i don't think i did what um she's
2: she's one of the daughters of the farmer
0: oh wow no yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't even notice she's got that
2: hard she's got that five mile stare at her still even back in 2009 i'm like is that leah C- that's leah said shit
0: <laughs> i may have looked at her and said you look familiar but i don't think i uh put two and two together um wow that's crazy yeah i didn't even notice yeah that <laughs>
2: after yeah after bond and french dispatch i was like leah said that that i, I know you <laughs> definitely know you now
0: <laughs> yeah yeah uh i like how it brings mike myers in for like one scene Oh, it's amazing. British general. Yes. Um, did you hear that the Eli Roth part, uh, Donnie Donowitz was supposed to be, I think I heard this right. He wanted Adam Sandler to play that part.
2: Yes. And I think it would have worked a bit better with the tunnel because you know how they're sort of building up because he's the bear, Jewish bear, bear Jew, whatever the it's bear called. Jew. Yeah,
0: that's what they call it. The bear <laughs> Jew.
2: So there's this kind of big lead up and they're looking at the tunnel and they just, it feels like a, like couple of beats before they actually reveal who's going to come out of it and having eli roth with a bat is slightly anticlimactic if it would have been adam (laughs) sandler with a bat i think it would have been a bit well hey um but he was i think making funny people at the time so um he couldn't be in it but to have him as that character i think would have been hilarious because you, yeah waiting for the telling like oh yeah who's coming out of the tunnel eli roth with a bat just some reason doesn't quite work
0: (laughs) yeah, I've never liked Eli Roth that much as an actor. Uh, no. he's hit and miss as a director for me too. Um, but um, I think he's like he's pretty good in this. like he he's funny mm. when they do the they're the Italian uh, camera guys. <laughs> yes. um, he's really getting into the part where they're just like machine gunning down everybody in that theater, like, yeah. Uh, he's really into it, but I, yeah, I think the reveal, if, if we didn't know, especially if it's Adam Sandler walks out of the tunnel with a baseball, bat it'd be like, wait, Adam Sandler, <laughs> like it might've gotten some laughs if people didn't know, you know, people in the theater. Oh, but... I would
2: have absolutely. But I think it would have aged a little better.
0: Yeah. Um, I, he tends to race his game too, when he works with good directors, like Paul Thomas he Anderson does. and the Safdie yeah. brothers. Um, so him and Tarantino, I think would have been a very fun, uh, <laughs> uh, team up. So I'm so, I am kind of disappointed. That's the, I watch this and I'm like. Man, I kind of wish you were Adam Sandler. It would have been pretty fun. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine it, Adam Sandler like machine gunning Nazis to death, but I guess I I could it could have happened.
2: <laughs> it could have happened. I mean, I never would have expected him to be in a Safety Brothers movie either. That's true, and yeah. <laughs> um, though a complete tangent, I just watched Licorice Pizza Pizza and um I was as uh, Benny Safdie shows up in it. I'm like why do you look so familiar? Wait, is that a safety? So yeah, Paul <laughs> Thomas Anderson's just like bringing everything into his orbit, like the the Haynes and the, and the, the, the safeties and all that kind of thing. It's kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird kind of thing he's doing in that movie, but I was just like, Oh yeah, shit. He's in oh, Pizza, yeah, yeah. and he's actually when kind I, of good.
0: <laughs> I was like, you're one of the safety brothers, but I don't remember which one you are.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: uh, I know. I recognize you. Cause he, yes. he, I think acted in, um, Oh God. Um, What's the you know, movie he was Ron definitely Pattinson. his first
2: movie yeah Pattinson um time. I just Something. call it the running yeah out of time no I don't know it's 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 our pets thinking he's Charles Manson running around <laughs> New York I think I don't know can't remember the title but that's a heart in your throat movie is goddamn well it's like oh god what's he gonna do next um it's
0: like the only movies Saki's make I feel like are like yeah <laughs> anxiety inducing movies oh good Deucing. time it was called good time but,
2: good, t- good times that's yeah. it yeah Uh, Definitely had time in there. Um, But (laughs) yeah, so no, I think it would have been more interesting if Adam Sandler had walked out of that tunnel and bit the guy to death of the bat. But at the same time, it definitely, Eli Roth, even though I don't love that moment, it's just a tiny little moment. I'm like, eh, it could have been thing. Uh, Eli Roth definitely is more the vibe of beating someone to death with a bat and then yeah. going crazy with machine guns at the end of and the, the, when he's killing all the Nazis in the in the cinema. It definitely is more him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, he does have this crazy look in his eye. I'll give him that. Like he has, oh, he gets a yeah. crazy look on his face where I'm like, okay, you look like you really are trying to murder people.
1: <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> but Adam Sandler would have been would have been fun. Um,
2: he- I think he would have been good, and he would have added a different flavor. And then him trying to—I mean, I as you said, I love when he's trying to speak um, that two words of Italian and with this ridiculous <laughs> Italian accent. But um Adam Sandler doing that, I think, would have gotten just that extra height of okay, you're doing the opera singer thing now, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, He would have he would have done a voice, or maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Depending what couldn't would have let him do, but
0: <laughs> and the other we brought up, I brought up Fastbender and this being the first thing I'd seen him in, and when he comes in the movie. And they set up a whole scene with him and Mike Myers, and he's like a, oh. a film critic before the war. And now he's in, and then the, he teams up with the bastards for that. That whole another. This is another uh, candidate for like one of the best things Tarantino has done. I think that whole bar section also plays super well and is very tense.
2: Oh um, yeah, I had like, to keep. I had to stop it at one moment, I'm like, okay, you know what's going to happen but you just have to wait to get there. I mean, it's one thing Quentin Tarron does in his later career better than anyone else. It's build tension and he leaves it as long as possible. He doesn't like drop that cathartic kind of bullet. Um, someone shooting someone instantly, he'll make you wait for it. And you're like going, ah, when you're watching it, it's kind of incredible.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that scene, like, if you just took that as like a, I think it's a whole chapter by itself. Like that whole, it's almost like a short film you could just watch. It, like the beginning like a is, little yeah. short movie you could watch. And uh, this just builds and builds and builds. You keep thinking like, it, just all these obstacles. It's like, oh, it's supposed to be like an empty bar. Oh crap, there's a bunch of Nazis here celebrating. It's uh, a basement.
2: It's a yeah.
1: death It's a, it's a death death basement. Brad, Brad
0: Pitt's like, oh, you don't fight in a fucking basement. Basement. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, not a strategically good choice. Uh, but yeah, and then. um, with you kind of think they're out of it because they kind of get the one guy away but then there's this this officer who's kind of sitting in the back and you now that's you know he's on to them from the get-go because uh the accent michael fassbender has this he's speaking german but the weird accent because he's british so yes. this german officer walks over and you can just tell he's like feeling them out from the get-go like he, he already is suspicious and is like just trying to Chip away at at this whole thing. Like I yeah. think Fassbender tries to play it off. Like he's like, "Oh, I'm from this little town," you know. And they made a movie there. You might have seen the movie, but I think he's expecting him not to have seen the movie. And then yes. when he's like, "I saw that movie," and he's like, I feel, "I feel like Fassbender's like, God damn it, I thought it would work." <laughs> um, well, here's the thing: this yeah. movie has
2: a weird obsession with Pat, the German director G.W. Pabst, I think it is. Um, and then I sort of nailed in on that. And then when you find out that Fassbender was a critic um, who wrote a book on Pabst. And yeah, he's kind of banking on the fact that this guy isn't a movie buff, but because this is Tarantino land, everyone is a movie buff. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of um, incredible. But no, what I love about this movie is that each kind of nationality has their own accents, obviously, but also their sort of same uh, movie language. Like the scene with Michael Fassbender, when he's being introduced, um, and you got Mike Myers, and I think Ron Rod, I can't remember, Australian actor playing Winston Churchill. Um from Dark of the Sun. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, it's kind of this amazing, almost like a he's quoting, I know he's quoting the, the um The Great Escape, but he's also making a Powell and Pressburger movie, this grand, amazing big space, these kind of colors, the way um Fastbender is talking with that very clipped English accent. It's mm-hmm. um I'm just watching it going, oh shit, this is Powell and Pressburger. This is their these are the war movies um that they've made. And you're kind of getting into how almost each um uh, nationality made war movies it's a really specific language and it keeps changing but it's kind of amazing it's like uh, yeah the Americans made the dirty dozen the British made um Powell and Pressburger they were their main kind of the best of the wartime British filmmakers and then you have the French doing their thing, but then you have the Germans with their weird, disgusting nationalism. And yeah, it all kind of fits together in this amazing patchwork where you can get these, almost these little short movies within the movie. I'm just watching it going, holy shit, it's almost like a movie within a movie within a movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I it's Tarantino, so he can't help himself. There's gotta be movie talk, you know? <laughs> he's gotta be. <laughs> movies within movies, Um I mean, yeah, yeah and
2: everyone's talk, talking about Pabst I'm like oh yeah because Pabst is one of the few 20s German directors who actually stayed whether it was willingly or not I've read different things but he uh for reference he's the guy who made Pandora's Box just I think is one of the oh, most okay. famous I've movies
0: heard of it but not, yeah. I've not seen it yet yeah <laughs>
2: yeah most people have heard of Pandora's Box he made that so he was definitely of the expressionist school but whether he stayed willingly or was told he had to stay because everyone else was buggering off um I don't exactly no um but yeah it's just kind of fascinating that that's the one German director they keep talking about <laughs> it's like he's yeah. like oh he's the great one yeah he's the great one that stayed
0: <laughs> right right yeah I mean it's it, you know he's always gonna put movie talk in there I, we were watching Crimson Tide recently me and Mike did Crimson Tide and it's like yes he, he, you could tell where he did his punch-ups on the Crimson Tide script because it's they get in random uh, not random because it's like but submarine movie talk that I'm like, oh, this is straight out of Tarantino's mouth like it's about great yeah. sub movies and um you know it's just one of his it's one of his things that he has to do <laughs> so um yeah
2: even Daniel Brer is still hitting on Shoshana with um uh going uh, but trying to interrupt with movie talk and <laughs> I'm just oh, like yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she runs a cinema I mean there's always plenty of movie stuff so um, yeah. one of my other favorite things it's like if if I rank the things I love in this movie that he did like, the opening the bar sequence and then the other thing I love is the uh David Bowie song uh kind of oh. montage where Melanie Ross yes. getting ready for the premiere so good. so good I never heard that Bowie song before this movie and I said what is this song and I was like oh it's David Bowie shit okay and I love yeah. Cat People I love that song um and it's such a well done very it's kind of it's kind of show-offy but it's like oh but it's I very
2: show-offy really like it
0: <laughs> I'm like oh this is this is just great
2: though <laughs> no I love how he's taken away that movie from cat people and cat people ain't getting it back yeah <laughs> it's like it's like,
0: <laughs> it's like this is my song now um this
2: is my song now push ready you <laughs> thought you had this song no 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 I have this song now and no I love that moment because it kind of um, it's perfect because he's talking about burn it down with gasoline which is yes. what they
1: do <laughs> um,
2: but it's kind of her getting ready she's in red she looks like she's out of like a 1940s noir um, it looks kind of incredible it's kind of this more modern expressionist kind of part of the movie it's um, yeah no I love that moment and that's kind of when I was watching her performance going. I really like Laurent. I mean, she's the best thing about Six Underground uh, movie. I actually quite like. Um, I she was
0: in that, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: she, she's really good. Um, and so she's, yeah, And but she's amazing in this movie. I mean, that scene when uh, Hans Lander leaves her after they've eaten, well, he's eaten some of his strudel. And she just lets out a breath of, oh, fuck. It's kind yes, of, that's, it says that's, everything about what she's been going through for that last 10, 15 minutes. Yes, of Just yeah. pure <laughs> abject terror.
0: <laughs> I, that was the moment where I thought she's doing some very good face acting in this movie. Some yeah, very good is. nonverbal acting. Yeah. Um, Cause she has to, and it's like so tense, it, you know. And but for her, but he's he's just all, you know, like oh, try the cream, eat your st-. and then you know she just lets it all out the minute he leaves because she's been. I can't imagine how tense that would be to sit there with a person that murdered your family, you know. Um, yeah, it's yeah, she's I mean, she's great. It's like it's it's hard to say. I mean, there's so many great people. In this movie, you know, it's just there's so much great stuff. Uh, I am curious for take on this at the very end. How do you feel about? Uh, you kind of mentioned already, but when Brad Pitt, you know, carves a swastika into um, Londa's head and the camera's looking up at, at Brad Pitt and he goes, yeah, this might be a masterpiece. Obviously very, I, I feel like a lot of people have said this, that it's very much, they think it's Tarantino commenting on his own movie.
2: <laughs> I think uh, it is absolutely Tarantino commenting on his own movie. Um, look, he's not wrong. Like <laughs> you can't, um, I don't, uh, has he made a masterpiece? I think he's gotten really close. Like quite a few times in his last movie so maybe his temp will be just be the like once upon a time in Hollywood is really close this is really close maybe Jackie Brown is I don't know but no I think I think it is I think he's looking at this going yeah I know I've just made a masterpiece What of it
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah it's just funny because it's it's very him I feel like he's uh he he will be the first one to praise himself (laughs) you know um that's just kind of one of his things I know people don't like that about him um and I can't it's funny because I would never say this one's my favorite just kind of personal reasons. I think I like some other ones more, uh, if his movies, but, uh, from a, from a technical standpoint and I, it's, it's hard to argue that it's not his best made movie. I, I really think it might be his best overall, like best made movie, but I would still, you know, I kind of, am more personally attached obviously like Pulp Fiction. Um, yeah. for, and my, my, I like Kill Bill both parts together a lot. I think both parts of Kill Bill as one movie, the whole bloody affair. You know, even don't want to call it that. Uh, yes. I think that I don't know that might be his masterpiece, honestly, because that's such an undertaking and such a, like an emotional journey that uh, Uber Thurman goes on. And um, not maybe not the, maybe not the best thing he's ever shot, but the, one of the best things he's ever written. I think is in Kill Bill Volume Two, the whole yeah, scene oh, with yeah, you know. I'm yeah, say. I
2: think. Yeah, so I know exactly what you're saying. I think that is his best written. I think *Inglorious Faces is his best put together movie, I think, because um, I think Sally, I'm blanking on his editor's name. Oh, Sally Mankey. Away. Yeah. Sally Manking. She helped, she edited this movie and she's one of the great editors. She was one of the great editors. Um, and so I think, and I think this is his best put together. I think this is when he's kind of, um, this is, his, yeah, I think it's it's my top three. I mean, I think um, Hateful Eight, for personal reasons is still my number, weirdly my number one. Um, mainly because of the Samuel Jackson performance, but um, it's, and I think Kill Bill 2 is the best thing he's written. Um, I've never seen, I've seen, I've watched them back to back, but I've never seen something like the whole bloody affair, which I would love. If the gods are listening, please, the <laughs> Blu-ray, please. Um, Cause only people at Khan, And if you go to the Bev, uh, new Bev are only going to see the whole bloody affair. And um apparently it even still has a French subtitles but it's kind of this um it would be amazing thing to sort of see that fun amazing set piece driven first half and then with that emotional kind of thing at the second because I love Kill Bill part two um but yeah and then because I am much more later Tarantino um just way I got into Tarantino I just prefer those really big long monologues that he does so well, which I think he does. I think they're more fluid and more mature and more, they have more pathos than anything in Pulp Fiction, even though I realize that is an amazing, incredible, game changing movie. I'm always going to watch something like um, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Glorious Bastards, um, Jackie Brown, oddly, which is that weird in betweeny kind of movie, um, just because he adapted it, I guess. But um, yeah, I think Glorious Bastards is, is his best put together movie. I think um, it's tighter. It's even though it's just over two hours, but it's it, his tightest movie. It's um, the cuts are more, are far more uh, concise because you're really just going all over the place with style and everything like that. So the fact that he's able to piece this together is kind of incredible.
0: Yeah, I I, I know it's, it's, it's a lot because I feel like he's, done so many different things and it's funny because I feel it sounds like our top three would be very different I think we have completely different top (laughs) three (laughs) yeah um but yeah and I was gonna say it volume two Killer volume two I think is like but that's the the speech that David Carradine gives about Superman to Uma Thurman that whole scene I feel like is like maybe my favorite thing he's ever written um Mm. I, I my top three would probably be I, it's funny because I know he's made better movies but I can I feel like mm. I can't replace Pulp Fiction because it's also why I say it's my number one movie of all time so it's kind of hard yeah. to put anything above that so Pulp Fiction Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and then Kill Bill both volumes together, The Whole Bloody yeah. Affair is probably my top three um, but I don't, the only thing I ever disliked and I came around on it was Death Proof um, which took me a long time to come around on <laughs> but I'm like Okay, this is fine. Like it's it's always going to be probably at the bottom for me of his mm-hmm. ranking, but I don't think it. I don't think it had like huge aspirations. Death Proof, you know what I mean? I think it is what it is as a grindhouse type of movie. Um, to you know, just kind of be this kind of little kind of uh, killer with a car movie. You know, it just it doesn't have these grand aspirations of being this epic movie or anything. So, um, and I came around. No, on Jackie it doesn't. Brown. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. came around on Jackie Brown because. I think that movie, you have to be, you have to get older to appreciate Jackie Brown. I don't, do. I don't think a 15 year old, like I, me watching it like 15, 16 has lived enough, have enough life experiences. Cause it's about older people um, who've been through stuff. And it's like very, gotta maybe the most reserved Tarantino movie. It
2: is. Yeah. And it's, I don't know how he went from writing Pulp Fiction to writing Jackie Brown because Pulp Fiction is such a young man's movie. And okay, I admit, I fully prefer- pretentious um Quentin Tarantino I don't know why I just prefer him when he the more pompous he gets the more <laughs> I enjoy it. it's like listening to him on pure cinema and like except when he's with Roger Avery on that last episode when Avery was giving him shit I'm like well people someone can give him shit I didn't oh, realize yeah. this was a thing I noticed that um, too oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you had you obviously have to know him a long time for him to accept being on air and your friend now, those who have been through a lot I mean fights and not speaking and all that kind yeah, of thing. yeah yeah but um, mainly because of his ego. But I, yeah, so when he's more pompous, I tend to love his writing more. But I don't know how you go from Pulp Fiction, which is such a young man's movie, the energy, the pacing, the theatrics, everything about it is kind of this young, blustery, I'm going to try something different to shake things up movie, to making such a reserved, you need to have lived a life, Um movie about two older people falling in love um i don't know how you get to that point especially considering when he wrote true romance he has christian bale going you want to uh, see a, a sunny chiba triple which even though as much as i love sunny chiba i'm not entirely sure that line would work on me so i don't
1: <laughs> the growth
2: yeah. you see and then he makes kill bill which again has that emotional pathos especially with the kill bill speech at the end And just the way it ends and Uma Therma's reaction to it, I I, want to know what happened in between those movies to him because something happened, he either had sex or he fell in love, he had his heart broken, (laughs) something happened, um, because the change is kind of extraordinary and I can see a 15 year old watching Jackie Brown going, what the hell is this?
0: I mean it's Pulp <laughs> Fiction. Yeah. I mean <laughs> it's it's way dialed back from Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Like Yeah. Um it's much it's probably I think it's his least violent movie, I think. Y- yeah. I There's think not a lot mine. of like graphic violence uh you know no and...
2: I, I i think there is but i think when you watch it you're right i mean just because um samuel jackson's just like swearing at everyone by the end calling everyone a <laughs> motherfucker and telling him he's going to shoot everyone in the room when you believe in but i think you're right i think in terms of violence it's actually not that violent <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it's so it's a real shift from like the first two movies to that movie and i think this might be i heard this maybe after this movie that someone mentioned that when he was writing Jackie Brown, he was dating. I can't remember was someone famous. He was in love. And they like it comes off yeah. as like a guy who is in love writing this movie because it's it does, you know, th- that love story is so good between um uh Jackie Brown, I'm saying character uh, <laughs> Jackie <laughs> Brown and, and uh Robert Forster's character I'm blanking on. Between the two of them, um that it yeah, it's like very sweet. It's 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 like you wouldn't yeah. expect it. Um yeah, it's a kind of it's kind of crazy. I've also heard that you know, it's like he didn't know how to follow up Pulp Fiction because how, how do you follow up Pulp Fiction? It's like...
2: You're in your... Because he was in his 20s when he made Pulp Fiction, wasn't he? He was quite Yeah, he was, still he was quite very young. young. Yeah, yeah. you win Khan and then everyone's looking at you and then it gets Oscar attention. It's getting teenagers kind of following you around, trying to follow you in your footsteps. I mean, yeah, I can kind of see him going, okay, so what the hell do I do now? I just won Khan. I... I I'm getting the, the this movie is getting Oscar nominations um everyone's paying attention to me and looking at me going okay right wonder kid what are you going to make next um and I think it took him a few movies to figure that out I mean and yeah admittedly he made Kill Bill and Jackie Brown but I think for the public I don't think it was until Glorious Bastards when everyone went oh okay he's back we <laughs> we understand what this which I don't know how like I'm watching it going really this okay fine this was a hit i love it but i'm just like a little surprised Um, most people want to
0: see nazis get killed so that's easy this is true
2: this is it this is it because it's a very high minded very over intellectually stinged movie and it was a hit almost like oh yeah because people want to see people kill nazis that's it um and it's yeah that's when i kind of think people kind of went oh okay we know what quentin tarantino is other than pulp fiction it took him a couple of movies to um to do that which is kind of fascinating because i know i think kill bill is i think one of his best movies even though it's not a my top of it but i can kind of see that and i think yeah jackie brown's probably my favorite out of his i i, I love that wow. movie to death
0: yeah i mean it's gone way up over the years i think I used to say mm. it was like near the bottom and now it's moved up oh
2: me too yeah it's yeah this time i watched it i was like no, I don't like
1: that. And then my phone
0: like, <laughs> oh no, best. I, I, I was very bored. I don't, but I mean, once again, it's like the older you get, it's a love story about older people, Pam Greer and Robert Forster. And I don't know how it does feel like he matured a lot in that very short time between Paul Fiction and Jackie Brown. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. It's kind of crazy because it is interesting looking back. And it's like I know people, I don't think it did that great, and people were disappointed because they just wanted Paul Fiction again, but it's like, how could he? He can't give you Pulp Fiction again. You know, it's like he'd been imitated so many times already. Like everyone was ripping off his style. And then he gives you this thing that's, it's still Tarantino, but it's not, it's not Pulp Fiction part two. You know, it's this.
2: No, it's not. It's kind of like how people are reacting to the Matrix Resurrected, which I kind of love because I like how Lana was basically for the first 30 minutes was like going, yeah, I know you like The Matrix. I don't like The Matrix. I'm more interested in this <laughs> over here and then proceeds to show you that movie. Um, And people are going, but I wanted The Matrix. I'm like, yeah, the Wachowskis and especially Lana is never going to give you The Matrix again. They're just, it's never going to happen. It's been, it's too much of a phenomenon. It's too much of a a game changer that I don't know how they could go back and give you The Matrix. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's <laughs> always going to be when they give you back and give you the matrix it's resurrections and it's you can tell lana is just not interested
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i've always thought the mark of like good artists i think of this a lot with bands too like that good artists aren't going to give you exactly the same thing they've already done because that would be probably boring to them (laughs) and kind of lazy um so you know good artists will tend to do something different and a lot of people want the same thing and i mean i'm guilty of you know i was younger and wanted the same i wanted more pulp fiction and i got jackie brown i was like what is this i don't want this um (laughs) because people tend to want you know what worked the first time which would make sense but you know i think a good artist wants to keep pushing themselves doing something different so they don't get bored and uh you know it's i think he's found a good balance now of like crowd pleasing stuff while still doing stuff he obviously loves and is interested in um I think it's interesting you brought up to back to the glorious bastards with Sally Mankey, because mm-hmm. this was the last movie she edited for him before she passed away. Yes. Um, and I do feel like I was thinking about that because I feel like the editing was so good in this. And he always had good editing. I, I feel like he was a little uh, I don't want to say lost, but I think I like Django and I like Hateful Eight. I've, I like them more as I watch them. But I do think in my be imagination because I know he didn't edit them. But I feel like he almost it got away from a little bit like it's almost like if if sally mankey edited them i think they'd be a little tighter i think they're both a little they both felt a little long and a little slow to me at times when i've watched them there's great stuff in there but i just think if she was editing them, it could be a little tighter and i think he found he he found it again with once upon a time in hollywood which is funny that's the one that's like the sprawling hangout movie but i think it moves really well I, i think he had to find his footing again with a different editor so. I
1: think
2: it does because I think it's a very specific relationship. I mean, I'm gonna touch on Robbie Richardson's cinematography and in Inglorious past because oh, yeah. I love him so goddamn much. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I think it's a very specific relationship between editor and um director. And I think you can tell the ones where you can tell they've had the relationship. And he had a relationship with Sally because she uh edited Inglorious, and uh, not Inglorious, uh Reservoir Dogs.
0: I don't I, I thought she did everything with I know him. she definitely
2: did put. I know yeah. she definitely did *Pulp Fiction*, but I'm not entirely—I should look that up. I'm not sure if it was *Reservoir*. But they had a very specific relationship, and you—they had a good patter. And I, yeah, you, I, that is a fair criticism. I think he found—I think, especially with Django, I think I'm not entirely—I need to look that up. I'm not sure if he used the same editor for all—all all of those. Oh yeah,
0: she did everything um, of his from *Reservoir Dogs* until *Inglorious Bastards*. Ah, yeah,
2: yeah, and I just—I think it just took time for um, him to work learn to work with another editor and yeah I think those two movies the other movies would have been tighter I love hateful light for a whole bunch of other reasons other than the editing which I think is very unwieldy but I think it just takes time to learn that pattern I mean imagine if Thelma stopped making Martin Scorsese, Scorsese movies I mean I I don't know if she's worked on all of them but she's worked on the bulk of them and I think it just would have been you'd watch it and go hmm something's off all right he doesn't have Thelma <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that would, yeah, that <laughs> that's the only other kind of off top of my head editing director pair I can yeah. think of, and they work so well together, because it does seem like a very special relationship with an editor director, they really have to be in sync. But I think a good editor knows when to kind of push back into director, because yes. most directors would say that they kind of like most of their stuff, and want most most of their stuff in the movie. And I think the editor is usually objective enough and away from enough, they can go, do you really want to do this? Or, you know, and they can give a different... Yeah you know, do you Put want this in this? front of this? You do, do right. yeah, change
2: the, yeah. So I think, and I think you need that. And I think Sally obviously could push back against Quentin, but times Quentin was making Django, he was like, oh, I can do anything I want. It would yeah. have been <laughs> a lot harder to push back against Quentin.
0: Yeah, um, and I'm not totally sure, to sure that's say, what happened. That's just what I've, I feel happened.
2: <laughs> yes, because Django, even though I love it, I don't think it's my, it's definitely not my favorite Tarantino. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with how, hard i find the violence just because it is against slaves and you're like oh so this is this isn't shooting nazis this is a different kind of violence that he's dealing with on purpose but yeah i can i can kind of see that but i think it's just a very specific and i think tarantino is one of those guys who i think needs a relationship with his editor because he needs that voice to go "Mm, no you need to do this put this in front of here move that down back let's create this mood kind of thing and that's what an editor does um so yeah but uh, Glorious Bastards is perfectly edited. I mean, it's almost a perfect movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't argue. I mean, he just had so many good ones that it's like, I don't know. I Every time I watch it though, I appreciate it more. And I, I think I like it more and more, I love it really. Uh, but it's just, yeah, I, I'm surprised Once my Time of Hollywood has jumped up as much as it has for me, because it's still very new. Um, me
2: too, yeah. But
0: I connected with it like really quickly. I think even the first time I saw it in the theater, I liked it, but I would have put it like near the bottom of his stuff. But after like one or two more viewings, I was like, oh no, I love this. <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah, totally on I, board. Yeah.
2: I, I walked out of it going, I don't know how I felt about that. There were definitely moments I liked. I just wasn't sure about Hollywood, and then the more time I've gone back to, it, I'm like, oh no, this goddamn this movie's great. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it so much. Um, kind of like how I am with *Licorice Pizza*. I know I'm a bit unsure about that movie, but I know as soon as I watch it a second time, I'm just like, ah, yes. That's, that's how I feel too.
0: Doing. Yeah, with, with yeah. *Licorice Pizza*. It's, I, it's a, I mean, it's a hangout movie. Those usually take longer moments
2: to, yeah. to settle in. You're right because you don't know. Even sitting there watching, I'm like, okay, so where is this going? And how does a 15 year old get a waterbed company? I'm very confused about this. <laughs> um more so actually about their relationship i'm like how does he own businesses i don't understand That's like, i what thought was...
0: about that too afterwards like wait how does he own businesses i'm like well it's the 70s now it's what it was <laughs>
2: like and he probably just passed something to his mom to sign and she signed it and no one even checked up the probably this, yeah
0: or unless he was using... is... <laughs> now that i'm thinking about talking out with you this is a total tangent but did he yeah. just get uh um what's her name in the movie alana haim um did he get her to stop because she was older did he yes,
2: I, I think he used her. Like I that's think that's how felt. they got. Okay, yeah, that's probably what it yeah. was. Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> but I think that just what I, a I want run, to girl on to, me. Yeah. yeah,
2: it will. Yeah, I mean the the relationship did pull me out a couple of times. Yeah, because um, yeah. <laughs> there are moments when Cooper is looks feels like he's older than he is, and then sometimes he feels like he's younger than he is, depending on the scene. Um, but it's but at the same time, then you have frigging Bradley Cooper threatening to kill the whole oh entire um, family, I'm just, I am so in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's, he's so good in that movie. Um, yeah, that definitely comes this, up on the this top is, ten. This, episodes. Is, this is my
2: funnel. This is mine. You're taking it. <laughs> this is the, the <laughs> last, yes. last. i I could have.
0: I could have used more of Bradley Cooper in Liquor's Pizza. I mean, maybe more would be too much, but I. I really enjoyed the bit he was in. <laughs>
2: so good, so He's good. A, yeah apparently not far off John Peters actually <laughs> that's
0: uh, yeah I read that too I was like oh okay because he was okay, kind of they, insane uh,
2: <laughs> but uh back to Inglorious past. yeah I was gonna ask what else um, you want to
0: talk about because I I feel like we did we hit most things I could think of but I didn't want to if you had other stuff you want to bring up then then please be my I think guest <laughs> just the
2: cinematography Robbie Richardson's okay. amazing I mean yes. the man I don't know anyone else who can create warmth and color like that guy can um Glorious feels such like a, such a warm movie, like all of Robbie Richardson's movies um, that he's mostly shot on. And yeah, you can just feel those reds pop, the kind of grade of the grass, everything just looks, looks so filled with light um, that it kind of looks like a painting. Yeah. No, that's all I wanted to say. It's (laughs) Robbie Richardson is awesome.
0: (laughs) He's great. I love the way I can always tell it's a Robert Richardson movie because of the way Mm -hmm. that I feel like light always is shining down. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> into a room like it's <laughs> yeah. a very specific look um and crazy that he's worked with um Oliver Stone Tarantino mm-hmm. and Scorsese yes I checked. Yeah. yeah like I, and I'm sure other directors too but I know those off the top of my head I'm like well that's a good group of directors to work with um
2: yeah and he doesn't get as mentioned enough as say with deacons who i think he's just as deacons is just as good at because deacons gets more wizardy like he can do things that you're just like how did you do that with richardson you're just like oh i know it's a richardson movie because how the light is shining into a room and it looks warm and i'm like oh that's a richardson movie but i think He's just as good and I think is, yeah, one of the best cinematographers working today and you watch him glorious. you like, yeah, yeah, that's why. Oh yeah,
0: he's, <laughs> yeah. he's great. Uh, I, looking up his I to be, I did not realize that Robert Richardson was the <laughs> the DP on Venom, Let There Be Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I still
2: have to see that movie and I kind of do. Uh, my partner has because he okay there's a reason why i've seen the first venom seven times um it's because of my partner who keeps wanting to watch it in friggin' 4k then falls asleep and because apparently i am incapable of switching off a movie halfway through i have freaking watched it to the goddamn end and i'm like i can't do carnage yet i need i need space <laughs> that's
0: amazing that you've watched venom that many
2: times <laughs> times oh. i don't even like the movie <laughs>
0: I'm saying, big, why
2: don't I watch this movie I don't I, like it
0: <laughs> I, uh, I like the second one more than the first one I really don't like the first one but the second one's kind of fun I feel like
2: <laughs> I've heard it's one of the best comedies of the year intentionally it, like it's, it's
0: just pretty funny honestly yeah. it's it's entertaining for sure um yeah, yeah it's it's something but yeah Rob Richardson is great I'm glad him and Tarantino keep working together too so um yeah I don't I, I don't know what else to say I feel like we covered it there's a lot this movie is very good a lot to say about it but it could
2: probably just nerd out over movie styles and the german film industry in the 20s but i'm not going to go there because that's another two (laughs) hours of me just boring everyone um so i'm just going (laughs) to let let that alone but um yeah read about the german film industry it's fascinating
0: (laughs) i kind of want to yeah i'm curious now so um well yeah no i mean i think we made it very clear we both love this movie so yeah um yeah, I. Don't we've, know.
2: we've nerded out a lot about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. I am glad you uh, you did this one with me. So
2: mm.
0: I'm sure it's even no, random. So
2: yeah, thank you so much for asking. I was watching it again, going, "Oh shit, I do love this movie a lot." <laughs> oh crap, I think I love it a bit too much. <laughs> this is gonna get <laughs> interesting.
0: <laughs> it was funny because when I watched it the other day, I was almost like, I just kind of wanted to watch whatever I wanted to watch, but it was for the podcast. And I don't know about you, sometimes like. When you have to do something for your podcast, it can almost feel like work. Usually not, yes. but but no, I, yeah. just because you want to watch whatever you want to watch, but you're like, no, I have to watch this movie. When well, you have to do something, but but then I put it on within like the first opening scene. We talked about like I'm like, oh no, this movie's fucking amazing. This is gonna be great. Yeah. So <laughs> I was fine. It just was like one of those things when you would kind of like have to do something, but then you're like, oh no, this is this is wonderful. So <laughs> um, oh no, there's
2: there's a movie we're gonna talk about very soon on a, on another podcast where I felt the <laughs> exact same way. And that first scene, I'm just like going. Oh yeah. I love this movie. I'm in.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's it's it on glorious bastards. Um, Lindsay, do you have stuff you want to plug, uh, stuff you've done upcoming stuff? Cause, um, I let, this, to let you know, this'll be out like second week of January. So if that helps you out where you are. <laughs>
2: Oh uh, yeah, this um, well shock and awe is going strong. Um, actually, that second week, um, that will also be on my podcast. Oh, perfect. Talking, okay, starting I didn't know- a, yeah, um, <laughs> Starting a yeah, uh, starting a yeah. I have I I need I haven't got a back catalogue of people at the moment, so it's pretty much just out <laughs> straight away. Um, talk starting a Brian De Palma series um, that I'm starting, uh, which is going to be nothing like Unscottable because it's so not organised and. <laughs> Um, we'll just like happen in bits and bobs throughout whatever, um, got a bit bigger than I thought it was going to. So, um, really looking forward to that actually, um, because he's such a fascinating, um, director. Um, yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, so if you want to follow, Shlock, uh, and also I've just been on, uh, Unsung Horrors, which very kindly asked me to talk about my five, five of my favorite discoveries of the year um so that was a lot of fun always hanging out with erica lance and also anthony from cult movies um so yeah but if you want to follow schlock and all it's just uh schlock and all one on twitter and instagram and if you want to follow me it's at reading geek so but this was an absolute blast Uh, yeah i kind of almost forgotten how much this movie means to me so it was kind of (laughs) nice to get back into it and go oh yeah this is actually kind of a Big one for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was so interesting to know that it, like, was that important to you? I had no idea when I asked, so that I, just kind of worked out. <laughs>
2: so. Yeah, that just asked. I was just like, I, and if you'd asked me before what the important movies, I don't know if I would have put this on there, but watching again, I'm like, oh, that's right. This, did this, and now I'm obsessed with Fauci, which I can see a direct line. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and now I have to ask, I'm finding this out on the podcast. Am I the one who's starting off your diploma series on the show? or someone yes, coming are. Oh, yeah. oh, no pressure. Uh, no. no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love diploma. This will be easy for me. He's one of my favorite directors. Yeah, pure, so. Oh,
2: especially the movie we're talking about. But it's, um, it was a pure accident that that happened. Like, this is not a thing I set down on plan. This was a thing that went, hey, I'm talking about two diplomas in one month. hmm um let's just do this again and then something else got pushed back and then now you're first and (laughs) yes
0: all right i learned that news here i'm first no (laughs) i think it'll be fun so um it's
2: gonna be very fun (laughs)
0: uh we had a lot of fun is (laughs) all just adam risky doing a woman impression of him saying we had a lot of fun
2: (laughs) i see defoe all i can think of is we had a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs)
0: i saw a defoe interview about spider-man where i think he didn't say it exactly like that but he basically was like he's like it was a lot of fun like it's just like <laughs> it was had a lot fun, of fun. Uh, <laughs> i love it i love it um so i'm glad you brought up that unsung horrors episode about your favorite discoveries of the year uh because mm-hmm. uh it was it's i've been listening to it i want to finish up what we recorded but i did not get a chance i had about like 15 20 minutes left I was so close um, yeah. been very fun listening so far with you and anthony um on that show as the guest and like um, I got so much on-song horrors more. I already have a, 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 a lot of podcasts I listen to, but I'm like, every time I have listened to it, I'm like, this is a really good podcast. So, um,
2: they, uh, yeah, Erica and Lance are probably two of the coolest people you'll ever hear on a podcast. There's something about them that they, their movie knowledge is insane. I barely know the movies they're talking about, but <laughs> it's, um, yeah. And I've told them multiple times this, They but they are just generally lovely, but they have this kind of cool edge about them, which I get very intimidated sometimes because I'm like, going, I'm not that cool.
0: <laughs> you seem pretty cool. And they seem to know a lot. They talk about movies I've never even heard of very casually, yeah. like we all would know them. I'm like, what is that? Like Queen of Black yeah. Magic 3. I'm like, what is that? It's an Indonesian <laughs> horror movie. Um, yes. I'm writing things. I'm furiously like adding things to my list. I'm like, what are these movies? Um but uh, yeah, it's very fun. Ever check that out. And it's a good segue because so we did our top 10 episode before this one, which is over four hours long. So this one's a little shorter. So I'll put this one out in between because me and Daniel Epler are doing again. Uh, like last year, we did our favorite discoveries of the year, which are like first time watches, older movie, anything, anything pre 2020 or earlier can be counted. Um, and we're adding Keith Rich this year. So,
2: oh, nice. No, yes. excellent. The, bo- the, the Bond boys are back. Um, the Bond no boys are back crimes, <laughs> Hopefully no no war crimes will be committed. No. But no um,
0: <laughs> this but is more personal, and, yeah.
2: You and Daniel's discovery list last year was one of my favorites of the year. So I was kind of hoping that you two would get back together to talk more discoveries. And the fact that you're adding um, Keith to it is just perfect. So I'm excited.
0: It was one of my favorites to record. And I'm hoping to keep it as an annual tradition because it's so much fun to look back like through my letterbox and like what were the you know, my favorite first time watches. And, you know, there's some stuff on there that's like real obvious, like huge classic movies I just finally saw or like Mm. some more under the radar stuff that I happened to find. So it's like, it's really fun to go back and talk about that stuff. So I'm really looking forward to the episode. So that should be out the week after this episode because I want to get a little buffer because I think it's gonna be another really long episode. (laughs) So I was like, maybe not like hit them back to back with like two- super long podcast <laughs> so
2: the palate cleanser of inglorious bastards i right. know it'll be good
0: <laughs> i think this one might be under two hours so that would be like oh really That's, yeah, yeah. I think (laughs) when I edit, I've cut some things out, but like, I think, uh, once I kind of trim it down a little bit, I think this will be the rare under two hour podcast for our show. If I stop talking at some point, uh, (laughs) anyway, um, well, thank you again, Lindsay. I'll say for our stuff, uh, you can follow us at, um, film Feast pod on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at maplet 87, and you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram at film feast, all one word. And we should see you guys next week with our top 10 discoveries of 2021 episode, which would be a lot of fun. So thank you, Lindsay. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time.
2: See you guys.